Hello everyone and welcome to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast for the post-NASCAR All-Star Race show. That's right, over the weekend, NASCAR held its annual All-Star Race, but it was at Texas Motor Speedway this year. Instead of uh, Charlotte, where it's held normally, it was held in Bristol last year, it was held in Atlanta the second year after they had it, and now maybe they're going to start rotating it, who knows, we'll find out, we'll discuss that. But uh, the All-Star Race was this weekend, and that means we have a lot to talk about. And as the title of the episode suggests, All-Star or not to All-Star, we're going to have a special All-Star edition of the Upshift Downshift segment this week. So rev up those opinions and make sure to let us know on our social media profiles. There were other races this weekend that we also want to discuss as well. But first, we're going to plug those social media for you. So you can make sure to give us your opinion on what we're talking about during this show. And in general, give us your opinions on the state of racing in general. So go ahead and follow us. I'm at rpeters33. That's at r-p-e-e-t-e-r-s-3-3. Josh, my co-host here, is uh, who has not spoken yet. I'm Rob, by the way. Welcome to this show. Uh, his, uh, sh- his, pod- his Twitter handle, excuse me, is at roller underscore zero one. R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. And our show can be found also on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you get it. Just give a good search to Robin Roller, Racing with Robin Roller Podcast. We will pop up. I promise you, you'll be able to find us all over the web. We are, seriously, all over the web, all over the place for your Rob and Roller needs. So, uh, you know, Ash and I have a great show planned for you today. So I think we should go ahead and uh, jump right into it. Because uh, there's a lot of news to discuss on the weekend. So starting off, it is Rob's Racing Report. Uh, starting off with some specific to NASCAR, to IndyCar, to anything. Well, kind of. It encompasses them. But uh, Jenna Fryer posted a, an article that was very interesting over the weekend. CBS Sports Chairman Sean McManus told the Associated Press that it is unlikely that CBS will make a play for the IndyCar TV rights for the next season due to college basketball and golf commitments. And for the same reasons, NASCAR is not currently on the radar of CBS for the next broadcast rights deal, which will begin in 2025. Adam Stern reports that NBC is likely to return as the broadcaster of the IndyCar series next season after talks with ESPN uh, and CBS did not go very far, and Fox has never gotten past the preliminary stage of discussion. So seems like NBC is going to be keeping IndyCar next year. You'll probably see it between... Uh, the big NBC channel and USA Network, what with NBCSN uh, likely being shuttered later this year. Uh, very interesting news, that is, because, uh, I mean, I, it's not like I, I didn't expect it. I know CBS has more commitments during, like, racing time slots than um, NBC does. You know, NBC has a little bit more flexibility, uh, but CBS has has golf. They have to broadcast golf on Sundays, usually. Uh, they also have uh, college basketball, which would be just in general tough to do in May, March and April. If with IndyCar, that would be the kickoff to the season. I don't know how you would be able to get that done. That'd be tough. Uh, Fox is the same way. Fox has NASCAR. I mean, you don't really want to kick IndyCar to FS2. It, it, you can't do that. Um, not many people get FS2 still, which is surprising to me. It's easily accessible through streaming services, but if you want to get it on your actual cable package, like any cable, Comcast, uh, 
whatever you have. I don't know. Comcast is the only one that comes to my mind right now. What do you have, Josh? Do you have Comcast down there in, in Charlotte? You haven't talked talked yet. Talk, speak to us. Hi, I'm Josh Roller. <laughs> uh, yeah, Spectrum. I have Spectrum down here. Um, and to be honest, uh, I'm kind of new to the, I think, available to the streaming game because prior to me getting this DVR, I wasn't able to get streaming capabilities uh, because it wasn't, you know, a high enough package, you know, uh, welcome to, you know, having to pay for play, you know, type of deal. Um, so I, I don't know. I can't really answer that. But I know like with Xfinity up in Indiana, I know how that how that goes because my dad has that. And it's a little bit easier to access your Fox, your NBC, your ESPNs. I can't say I've ever used a CBS because I don't think I think I've ever had a reason to, at least since high school when I would. Yeah, watch a game during the class in high school. Yes, I did do that. I won't lie to you. I did that. Yeah, but I mean, my thing is FS2 is still not carried enough. I mean, you go anywhere and ESPN and ESPN2. Like ESPN could get away with putting stuff on ESPN2 because enough people get ESPN2. You know, it's bundled with ESPN. You have to. Whereas FS1, for whatever reason, has never bundled along FS2. So FS2 sits at like high tier packages and I mean, there's not really a whole ton of programming on there, but when there is programming on there, uh, it's difficult for the majority of people to see. And when I, I, I mentioned streaming, it's because it's FS2 is available on almost every major streaming platform. I believe Sling TV has it. I know Fubo TV carries it on basic packages, the base packages. You don't have to yeah. pay any extra to get this. Um, but with cable, traditional cable, you have to still pay extra to get FS2. So again, it just leads me to believe that IndyCar really has no other home right now other than on NBC. They could go the ESPN and ABC route. That could be a potential thing, but I don't see that happening given um, a lot of people's, I, I guess, uh, coverage qualities and standards what and whatnot. Alan Bestwick is great, but outside of that, I don't think anybody liked or even enjoyed ABC's coverage. So interesting to talk about that. Um, moving on to straight-up IndyCar news here. How about this? How about this? This is something this is that I news. think we all saw news. was coming, but it has now been confirmed. I think it was NBC Sports that originally broke the story, but then Racer followed it up to confirm. It was um, announced over the weekend. Roman Grosjean will make his oval debut this August at Worldwide Technology Raceway and Gateway. He will continue to drive for Dale Coyne Racing with Rick Ware Racing. So the 51 car is going to be Pietro, I guess, is not running uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway now. He is going to probably have to find something else to do. Um, or they could run a second car for him. Who knows? If, yeah. if sponsors have already been found, I'm sure they could run a second car for him. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. But, yeah, great to see Roman Grosjean uh, be able to make his first uh, oval start. I, I have to imagine – Jimmy Johnson might be next on the horizon to make that announcement. And I think Jimmy Johnson should give an oval track like Worldwide Technology Raceway a chance in IndyCar first, see how yeah. he likes it before he goes to Texas and Indianapolis. Yeah, I really think that would be a good idea for him is to get some experience. And Tony Kanaan might be busy that day. I, I When I wrote the story about him in May, I found out that um, there is actually a uh, a Brazilian stock car event on the same weekend of – uh, the race in Gateway in, Indy, in IndyCar. So I am wondering if we could see Grosjean in IndyCar uh, and Giant Johnson in an oval track before the end of the year. Again, Roman Grosjean's been confirmed. I'm just speculating on Jimmy Johnson. But hey, it would be neat to see because um, there's been a lot of 
a lot of really bad vitriol on Twitter criticizing Jimmy Johnson. And yeah, it's absolutely I, horrendous. I don't understand it. I, I just and I've said, you know, this guy is is learning. If you put him on an oval like like that, I think he'll run top ten without yeah. any issues. Um, At least top fifteen. I mean, the top ten's a really tough crowd in IndyCar, but he will run higher than twenty second. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, and, you know, Johnson is, is doing fine. We'll talk about that later when we get to the Detroit discussion. Um, IndyCar will return to St. Petersburg for the next five seasons, uh, after the series announced an extension to the contract. So that is great. We will open the season in St. Petersburg for the next five seasons. That is great to hear St. Petersburg, a great street course. One of the most fun street courses, I think a tight a uh, technical course, always very interesting to see. So a great, great, beautiful, picturesque way to start this IndyCar season. I couldn't think of another place to start the IndyCar season personally, except maybe Homestead. Say the same thing, except, I mean, it'd be interesting to see a, like a doubleheader. Uh, I've always said they should back. do a Florida doubleheader yeah. uh, in late February, early March when it's a little, it's warmer there. Yeah. I always said IndyCar should start its 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 seasons going to uh, St. Petersburg and Homestead to start the season. I think that would be a great way to get fans in the Florida area excited, to get fans excited. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens with ovals. Uh, and this is interesting here. No decision on Toronto's Exhibition Place's replacement race has been announced at the time. However, the two primary options is making Gateway or Mid-Ohio a doubleheader, which Mid-Ohio looks uh, more and more attractive as the IndyCar series will have one month off after that race weekend. It's plausible that we could get multiple races. Roger Penske said he didn't like replacement races, quote unquote, because he said they made them look bad. Um, interesting to note, but I understand where you're coming from. It could be very hard to promote a replacement race to get something um, put together in such short notice to find a promoter to promote the place and then hope that you can even uh attract fans. I think it was easier last year because, you know, you didn't have to worry about selling tickets. You didn't have to worry really about promoting the race. You just needed um, a place to go to yeah. fill out this calendar date. Yeah. But yeah. now it's, it's a bit more complicated because you actually can sell tickets. So you're going to, so that the track can at the very least make up some money. Um, anyway. Yeah. It, it's interesting to see that. We'll see what, what, what happens, what erupts. IndyCar could go doubleheader. They could just decide, no, we're not going to, we're not even going to replace it. We're just going to say sorry, and we're going to have a month off after the fact. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, moving on now into NASCAR news. John Hunter Nemechek, the winner this past week uh, in Texas in the Truck Series, excuse me, uh, he will make his Xfinity ser three Xfinity Series starts in the number fifty four Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota at Bristol, Texas, and Phoenix later this fall. That is big. Uh, for John Hunter Nemechek, uh, I think we talked about this. I think you mentioned this. This was a possibility. You think you thought that this could happen. I wasn't so sure that I was going to see this. I really thought he was going to stick with KBM. But no, this is great opportunity for John Hunter uh, to be able to go out there and run in pretty much the top tier equipment in the Xfinity Series and probably put on just as good as a show as he does in the Truck Series right now. Um, next piece of news here. Oh, this is great. This is great. You, I mean... As as for as much as we crap on this charter system on this show, uh, I gotta say, seeing hearing some of these pieces of news here is pretty great. So, Trackhouse co-owner Justin Mark shared on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio this past Wednesday, the Trackhouse Racing is looking to expand to a two-car operation as early as 2022. So that's next year that we could be seeing two Trackhouse cars, which would be huge. 
because whatever basically gets rid of this Rick Ware fleet. I'm going to talk about the open in a little bit. We got we got something to talk about in the open uh, about that. So more competitive cars is something I'm I'm liking to see. Kurt Busch also shared on Wednesday that he has been contacted by Trackhouse Racing, and we talked about last week that Kurt Busch was a guest had fielded or was linked to a second car for 2311 racing. Now we're finding out that he's been contacted by Trackhouse. So a lot of these upcoming teams are looking for a veteran presence to lead their second uh, car operations. Kurt Busch, definitely with his contract with Chip Ganassi Racing being up at the end of the season, it looks like a lot of people are giving him calls. So he's a busy man. No retirement still in Kurt Busch's uh, radar yet, which is great to see. The last driver in the series behind Ryan Newman, who raced with Dale Sr., still active, I should say, still active full-time. Ryan Newman, Kurt Busch, and Ryan Newman only gets, and Kurt Busch too, Ryan Newman gets the one race at Phoenix in 2000. Kurt Busch gets a handful of starts at the end of 2000, plus the Daytona 500 in Last two drivers that raced with Senior are full, yeah. that are full-time right now are still in the yeah. Cup Series. So uh, pretty interesting news there. Um, moving on here, Will Rogers has been named the driver of Sam Hunt Racing's number 26 at Nashville Super Speedway with more races to be named in the future. So that's this coming weekend. You'll see uh, Will Rogers in the 26 at Nashville in the Xfinity Series. Um, also starting this coming weekend at Nashville Super Speedway, Jack Wood will compete at the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series this season, uh, season in the number 24 for GMS Racing. That was the Raphael Lassard car that they've been kind of alternating around to fill that truck, that seat. Um, so interesting note there. Um, and final piece of news here, we've got a stern bomb that dropped this past weekend that's also been getting some pretty interesting traction online. Josh, you've, your mouth is hanging open. What, what about this? When I read this, Adam Stern reports that Jeff Gordon is weighing his options for next season, which may seem the four-time NASCAR Cup champion step out of the Fox NASCAR TV booth and move into a bigger leadership role at Hendrick Motorsports, one he has been destined to since his retirement from full-time driving. Well, he had a lifetime contract. I assume someone was going to keep him along in the organization. Josh, what are your thoughts about this first before we move on um, to the next segment here? I don't think this is a stern bomb. I called this a couple weeks ago. I said, I don't think he's coming back to the Fox booth the next year. I think it's, I think it's, especially this past year and a half, Rob, I I, I think Hendrick has improved and and it has been harder for him to kind of separate the ownership role from the, from the broadcaster role. Um, and you know, let's, let's not make no no bones about it. You know, Rick Hendrick is not a spring chicken anymore. Um, you know, and, and, and he, and he said a few years ago that Jeff is going to be the guy who takes over the team. And I kind of, I kind of hope that if, whenever Jeff does decide to step out of the booth and just put on the ownership cap, that he takes on a new leadership role in the garage among the owners that I was a driver. I'm a recent driver. Uh, you know, he's going to be 50 this year um, in that he's now going to be tackling NASCAR from a different angle that he can't do as a broadcaster. You know what I mean? And and I, I that's what I'm looking forward to. I think, look, I think Sunday's All-Star Race was the last time we'll see Jeff in a, in a broadcast, you know, uh, suit and, and with Fox. So I think next year we're going to see him just in the ownership cap. Interesting there. That'd be interesting. Who who do you think goes back to Fox? Do we get Larry Mack back in the booth yet, or are we still torturing me with just not Larry Mack talking? 
I think you're going to see Larry Mack stay at the Charlotte, but I, I kind of hope oh. to put Jamie Mack up there with with uh, Clint Boyer. I, I, I don't that, want two drivers anymore. I'm tired I think of you're the gonna two, get two drivers, drivers thing. I need it, it's got to be it's got to be announcer, crew chief, driver. I don't announcer, think you're going to get chief, that. Driver. Don't think you're going to get that. I think I think I would like to see them go to Larry more throughout the race. You know, I think he's I think he's an underused tool in their in their tool belt um, during during especially a cup broadcast. Uh, but I think you're going to see Clint Boyer and, and Jamie McMurray up there if Gordon doesn't come back. I I, I really do think that. That's I know you don't like call. that, but that's just the re- I think that's just the reality of the television situation today. Unless you want to go the NBC route and have all four of them there at, at one time, but you know when Fox threw all this money for this, you know, Command Central for Larry, which is great, and you can't really—it's not very mobile. You kind of gotta, you know, Larry. We know you want to be at the track, but you know, hopefully, hopefully, my the way I've always thought about this, I hope Larry could go like. Hey, uh, Chad, can you talk for five minutes? Yeah, in 15 minutes, we can Skype call, and they can do it that way. The only thing that, that is kind of missing is like, hey, come look at this. This is what we're doing. You know, he can't, he can't get very, you know, up close and personal with whatever they're doing, but that's one thing I've always hoped, that he could just text a Rodney Childers guy or, or Rudy Fugel and say, hey, can you talk? Because I know that's what he does during the week, but during yeah. the weekend, obviously, that's a different dynamic. How, how about this? How about this? Let me ha- let me ask you this. How about we trade? We go to Hendrick and we offer him a trade. We say we give you back Jeff Gordon, and uh, you give us Chad Canals for the broadcast booth, and we make oh, this bad boy good. No, no, so you, so you don't want Chad Canals to broadcast. So you're gonna get Larry. So you're gonna get rid of Larry Mack? No, 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 no. I'm not saying you get rid of Larry Mack. You don't. You I'm don't saying you can still chief, bring though. in Chad Canals because Chad Canals is just as good as Larry Mack. Oh, I Why agree. Can't I... You have them have good discussions and bounce stuff off of them during the. I, I think that'd be great. I mean, Chad, I think is very. I mean, obviously, it's an understatement. He's a great. He's a smart guy. Um, but I, I think, think he's he, good I, as an analyst. I think. I think he's a big, great analyst. But I think he's he's in that president role or whatever his title is now, president of competition at Hendrick Motorsports for for a few years to come. I, I don't see him leaving that post. I think he's too competitive to hang up the the, the Hendrick Polo. And trade that in for a, a button-up shirt and tie. He's too competitive. He's got too big of a drive to want to do that. Well, the Xfinity race, the driver's only Xfinity race. What was that? Was that at Charlotte or I mean, Charlotte? That was Charlotte. around Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. When they had when they had Chad Knauss there, I loved it. It was I good. Want to see more of it. Yeah. I don't understand why Brad Keselowski was being a host. I that <laughs> one was interesting, but but Chad Canales was great on the broadcast. Yeah, so. he is good, yeah. All right, all right, that's it for the news this week. Thank you so much for listening to that. Uh, that's your brace, basically your rundown of this past week's news that you've already heard, unless you're not as in-depth as we are. But here's something you, you just wait don't... to get it here from us. Yeah, it's fun to hear it from us. We like to tell you the news. It's, it's good. You get your news from us. You want your news from your podcast, right? Yeah, uh, a lot of people get their news from their podcast. We just aggregate it from Twitter, <laughs> and sometimes break stories if we reported on it, which doesn't happen as often as it used to. But um, moving on today to our featured paint scheme. This is fun. This is going to be fun. Now I went back and forth on a couple of ones for this, but I like the one Josh shows here. Uh, but our uh, selection for the featured paint scheme this week is going to be from the 2004 uh, Indy IRL IndyCar series. One of uh, 
the more interesting seasons of IndyCar, uh, right after 2003, which was, in my opinion, one of the most competitive and exciting seasons in open-wheel racing history, probably, I don't know. I don't know how long I want to say. <laughs> I don't know. It, it had been a while since you had that much com- competition on a racetrack um, between engine manufacturers, between chassis manufacturers, uh, because at this point, cart was dwindling. Cart was basically dead. It was a spec series, one engine, one chassis, one tire supplier, uh, which is normal. But, but um, you know, and it was really just not as interesting as IndyCar, who had two chassis manufacturers, three engine manufacturers, and probably the best drivers in open wheel history right there, uh, dueling it out on high-speed ovals, side-by-side, all over the place. You can't go wrong with any of that. It was crazy. Now, well, maybe some people are going to dispute the best open-wheel drivers on the planet because they're going to say, oh, guys down at cart better. No, Sebastian Bourdais was better. Everybody else sucked, and you have to just accept that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Apologies to Justin Milson, AJ Allmendinger, and uh, Cristiano D'Amata. You guys, and I don't know how, how else to say that. Bourdais whipped you guys. You guys were good. You guys won races. Don't get me wrong, but Bourdais was in your heads. And uh, no, Paul Tracy is not in that because Paul Tracy was bitty. Literally, watch every, watch Champ Car races from 04 to 07. Paul Tracy is an afterthought unless he's wrecking somebody or getting into it with Bourdais. I mean, he's an afterthought in all the races. Sorry, I'll just keep <laughs> trashing Paul Tracy. I'm, I'm at my quota. I met my quota for Paul Tracy bashing today. Uh, I, we're I, gonna think get- I think you're going to exceed it later this in this show, though. Hey, he didn't. He didn't cover. He was. He was an SRX. He was a driver in SRX. He used the chrome horn in SRX, which is fine because it's a stock car. I don't really care if he does it there in a stock car. Um, it's and, and that race is for fun. That race isn't for anything meaningful. That race, you're not going to kill anybody if you dump them into turn three. But Paul Tracy, you know, an Indy car, yeah, whatever, dump them, give him the chrome horn. Um, he can't. At least he's not, you know, racing around Bourdais because if that were the fact, he would just fall in behind him and then get mad whenever he beat him because, you know, he still lives rent-free in Paul Tracy's head. Josh, I'm done bashing Paul Tracy today because I, I, I don't I don't know. I've done it enough. I've done it enough. I, I've done it on Twitter. I've done it. He is going to someday come see me. I swear, Paul Tracy's going to come see me someday, and he's going to pick me up by the neck in a chokehold and be like, what is your problem with me? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll see if that happens. I, I'm not saying Tracy's that violent. I don't want to say that, but I just think it would be humorous if that's how he ended up confronting me after years of criticism. This is just all I mean. That's my opinion. My opinion. If you like Paul Tracy, good for you. Good for you. Keep doing it. Keep doing you. Keep being you. I'm just going to sit here and talk about 2004 to 2007 and how bad he was in Champ Car. Josh, tell us about your feature paint scheme before I get on another tangent. Well, okay. So, yeah, you, we chose the 04 IndyCar series. This is like the year before I kind of really started to pay attention. And I can't remember if we've done the 05 IndyCar series or not. I'd have to look at the Excel spreadsheet here. Um, when when you're talking, I'll, I'll look that up. But uh, so I, I really had to refresh my mind on these. I mean, the only one that really sticks in my head prior to this is Sam Horsch's Pennzoil car and Tony Kanaan's 7-Eleven car. Other than that, in the Delphi car by... Uh, uh, Scott Sharp. Other Dude, I don't that, know how to tell you this, but Hornish was in Penske at, uh, in 04. 
Well, I mean, before that, like, pro- you, like paint schemes prior. Oh, to okay, this. that's what you mean. Paint schemes prior to this. Um, so that was just trying to. That that was my extent of my open wheel knowledge at this point. Um, so, but I'm going with an oddball. Okay. Al Unser Jr.'s number twenty Subway Patrick Racing Honda. Now this car was just out of whack, and there's no other way to put that. It was base red. It was all red. Sponsored by Subway and Stacker Two. And like I said, that's all I can say. Picture a red open wheel car. I don't even care if it's the right Delara. All right, at this point, just picture a red open wheel car with the Subway logo on the tub. And stacker two on the on on the rear fin, if you will. That is the car. All right, in a white twenty. All right, in a white twenty. Um, so it was not the accustomed like green, yellow, and and white colors that we've seen in recent subway schemes. Even black, because I know Carl Edwards had some black in his subway paint schemes. Um, but yeah, that's it. Like this just, I just chose it simply because like somebody, it looks like someone slapped the stickers on and just said, here's what we're doing. <laughs> We've got Subway and Stacker 2 sponsorship. Uh, just, it's more like a fail, if anything. I can, get, I can actually shed some light on this with Please my do, open meal knowledge of uh, the IRL, uh, during the years that nobody watched it. Uh, apparently, do. people on Twitter think I'm disgusting for preferring the IRL from back. Guys, I watched this when I was a kid. Like, my dad did not put on Champ Car. I do not know how to explain that other than my father did not put on Champ Car races. He put on IndyCar, IRL races. I watched IRL. It's not my fault. I You could blame my dad almost. He did. He was not interested in what Car and Champ Car was putting out. Post-2003, and how can you blame him? That crap was awful. I mean, standing aside, I know a lot about the IRL, so I'm going to give a little bit of insight into this. Uh, This was actually, Pat Patrick had actually defected from CART in in, in 04. So keep in mind, uh, you have a lot of defectors after 2001. Most, like Penske goes, um, Andretti didn't go yet, but they were basically at the end. Ganassi fielded a car in both series, which was which was unique at that time. I don't think that had been done successfully like Ganassi had it done. Uh, the only person who defected over was um, Mike Lanigan, actually, was the only one who defected from the IRL 2 champ car, which was weird. He took his team and MyJack uh, sponsorship, and Laurent Renan, just totally forget about this guy. Forget him. Let's go to the champ car anyway. Um, so Pat Patrick had started a team and he had a champ car team again. Um, and he had been running it for several years and it, it was, it was pretty good. It wasn't bad. Uh, but he had run Oriel Serbia, but it, it was running, um, it was running pretty low on funds, right? It was not a well-funded outing like Pat Patrick's previous, um, experiences to team owner, uh, were. So this was, uh, his first foray and final foray into the IRL. Um, and actually, fun fact, they didn't have enough money or sponsors or drivers to uh, – no, I think they had Al, Al Jr. as the driver, but I don't know if they had money or sponsors at the time to start the first three races. So Pat Patrick yeah, – He Patrick only made races, three starts. He only made three starts in this in the Indy, Texas, and um, – Yes. Al Jr. ran uh, Indy, Texas, and Richmond. Richmond. But then he abruptly retired after Richmond. Al Jr. decided he was done. He said, okay, I'm done. Came back in 06. Yeah, but he came back. He yeah. decided he was done. Um, and so they got, they just rotated to finish out the season. 
Um, and they ran through Jeff Simmons. Jeff Simmons ran one race at Kansas, uh, finished 19th. Jeff Simmons, I mean, come on. Nobody ever said uh, the Infinity Pro Series produced good talent. People say Indy Lights does. Nobody ever said the Infinity Pro Series did. Um, I can. There's a lot of drivers you could just ask. Hey, how'd you guys do in the Infinity Pro Series? Oh, I won a bunch of races. Well, how'd you do in the IndyCar Series? I crashed a lot. <laughs> Except for Ed Carpenter. Ed Carpenter was the only prospect of that early year that actually has stuck around, which is surprising. Um, but anyway, so they ran Jeff Simmons, and then Jacques Lazier took over um, until Chicagoland, and then they finished the season with Thomas Engay, and that was that. And was that what was what was Engay doing? He he was what was Engay doing back then? He's he's been funky. Engay Engay had a, a weird time. Yeah, oh yeah, he he smoked weed, uh, and he got stripped of the Formula Three Thousand title. Or something because uh, he turned back to with a, a positive test for weed, which is really disappointing if you think about that. Um, crazy. Um, so, Josh, I'm sorry to have hijacked your future paint no. scheme, but yeah, I, I, I explain to you yeah. why that car paint scheme and why anybody looking it up right now is probably thinking, man, was this thing underfunded? Yes, it was. It was underfunded. Hey, I mean, I was going to say this thing had to be severely underfunded and, and they were probably, you know, last second additions to the car. But I mean, and he started and finished 17th, one lap down. It was a range short in 500. He won the 04 500 round. Buddy Rice. Buddy Rice. That's and a right. tornado you, did. But And a tornado. Yeah, that's right. I think you covered this last year, year ago in May, right? Yes, I did. I covered yes, the 04 okay. 500 and the featured 500. That's what I thought you did. Yeah, so why, Rob, why don't you share yours for a guy who we all know about? Yeah, I mean, and I talked about him in the featured 500, that this was actually his final attempt at the 500. Um, and it's a really sad way to go out because uh, mine is uh, my pick is Robbie Gordon's number 70 Meyer-sponsored Delara Chevrolet, field by, fielded by Robbie's own team. Uh, after, a year before he branched his team out into NASCAR, so he was still running for under Richard Childress Racing yep. contract at this time. Keep in mind, he was still yep. running the thir- singular number thirty-one. So singular was on the car as it had been um, the previous three two years. Well, yeah. I know oh, it was oh, on the car in 04. Well, oh three he subbed for Dario Franchitti. Oh, you're talking so about this. In, you're talking about this. Oh, sorry, I thought yeah. you were talking about NASCAR. Sorry. In oh three he subbed for Dario. And so I don't know if Singular was on on the car then, but um, it might have been as like a, an associate sponsor. I'm not sure. I've not seen a close up of the car. But uh, this year, the for his final attempt in Indianapolis, he drove out a orange and red Meyer sponsored Chevrolet uh, that was just woefully slow. It was covered in sponsors, though. You can't say he didn't have money to run this thing. I mean, he had plenty, plenty of money to run this thing. It's just it was woefully slow because, well, let's be honest. Well, it was a new engine configuration. So for, for those of you who don't know, uh, the IRL had been running a higher – I think it was like about um, – it was a higher engine displacement. And it had led to those, those really high speeds. And after Tony Renner was killed uh, in the practice session in 03 – uh, they decided to drop the speeds basically as fast as they could. Um, so they lowered the engine displacement to try and lower the speeds. And when they did that, it kind of screwed up with a lot of people. It kind of screwed up a lot of the engines. The Chevrolets had been fast in 2003. Well, they hadn't been fast, but they weren't like slow. They weren't as bad as they were in 04. Hondas were obviously dominant, but Toyotas and Chevrolets were 
just struggling compared to the Hondas because of the different engine displacement. I don't know what it was about Honda that had um, the upper hand on that, but Honda just came out and had a better engine than Chevrolet and Toyota did at this time. So Robbie Gordon running the Chevrolet, that was just going to be a, a bit of an uphill climb uh, when you're running an underpowered engine at a track that you need as, most, as much horsepower as you can get uh, in order to go fast, in order to qualify, and in order to have a chance at the win. Um, and uh, this was uh, Robbie Gordon's final attempt yeah, at um, making the double. So he was trying to do the Charlotte Indy double. Uh, as he had done the previous couple of years, he did it in 02, he did it in 03. Um, you know, he'd done it before. It wasn't something that Robbie Gordon was a stranger to. But uh, he didn't get to complete the race because, like you mentioned, Josh, it was rain short. So during all those rain delays, Robbie had he had a threshold time where, you know, if the race isn't restarted by this point, yeah. I have to be in a helicopter on my way to Charlotte because I have um, contracts that are in place that I have to run this race. Yeah. Uh, for Richard Childers Racing. So he had to run uh, and abandon the car and hand it over to Jacques Lazier, who was going to finish the race. He, I don't think Lazier ran very many laps after they ended up calling the race. Um, but Gordon ended up making it to Charlotte for that race. But this was just a very interesting, because I have the paint, I have the die cast of this. I'm serious. I have the die cast of this car. It is very interesting. It is very cool to me every time I look at it. Uh, it is a different looking car it is like no other indie car you've ever seen and this had the old meyer logo on it so if you're from the midwest and you're familiar yeah. with the meyer brand of 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 grocery store it's kind of like a walmart now i mean they have clothes there it's kind of like a hypermarket more than a supermarket yeah. it's a hypermarket yeah. now uh, much like a walmart is now um it's kind of like the midwest zone target walmart deal you, you know target yeah i mean walmart you have targets my favorite thing is I, Josh knows this, but I'm moving uh, a little bit down the street, and and Josh knew this, but actually I have a Walmart and a Target and a Meyer, all within like the same, uh, like a, a three mile stretch, less than three mile stretch. That's all I don't understand need. the point of it. <laughs> That's hey, it's all about competition, man. Hey, they're there. Well, we got to build one there too. The There's also a Menards there. Well, hey, the Menards yeah, makes sense. The Menards is, I mean, the Menards sells food. If if you didn't know, Menards sells food as well. Yeah. Um, but it's also doubles as like a hardware store, so that yeah. helps. But a Meyer, a Target, and a Walmart all close to each other makes no sense. But, but you this have was a Lowe's the old Meyer logo. This was the old Meyer logo that you do not see on any stores anymore. I don't think. No, this is this is this is this is very much dated and throwback. Yeah, you can you can really tell how old this thing is just by looking at it. Yeah, two thousand four, which is crazy to say. I was nine years old. Josh, you were what ten? Maybe eleven. Oh, yeah, ten, well, I, I was uh, going to turn ten that August when this race was run. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. So, I was eight, nine years old. You were, uh, you were nine, nine ten. ten. So we remember this. We remember this. Uh, but I remember this paint scheme because it was very odd. Because I don't, I don't, didn't remember it, it racing because it ran at the ed, back of the field in 04. and I didn't get a chance to go to 04. I remember what I was doing in 04. I was just trying to get away from the rain that was killing me. So that day it was really bad, really bad storms that day, man. I there's a lot of people who have stories about their 04 500. A lot of storms, a lot of tornado sirens going off. I mean, it was crazy, but uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's a fun time to talk about, but yeah, I just don't remember this car very much. I have the die cast of it, so I obviously remember that it ran and I remember it as a piece of history, but in terms of my seeing this car, I don't think I actually saw it on track, so it's it's interesting to um, talk about it later on. Yeah. Um, Josh, 
this is a good time for us to jump into our discussions, our weekend discussions. We're going to blaze through um, the Xfinity and Truck Series because both Josh and I were busy on Saturday. And this is not to disrespect the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series necessarily. We were just both busy. I was covering Tennis Match, which was you can read about it on IndyStar.com. Please, please go ahead, read my read my stuff because um, they give me shout outs in like the the group chats whenever my stories do well, and every time I wake up to one, I get really excited. So if you guys could do that for me, I hate to plug it, but do that. And Josh, are you still doing? You're doing the Xfinity recap for Front Stretch, or do you not have it this weekend? I was a I, I yes I am still doing the Xfinity uh, breakdown for FrontStretch.com, but I was at a wedding, so I wasn't able to cover it this week. Right, uh, I, I had I handed it off to someone else. I was able to watch the truck race, but I wasn't able to watch any of the Xfinity race. I was, well, I, was my, I, I was on my way to Peru, Peru, Indiana. I was on my way to Peru, Peru Indiana for for uh, for a wedding. Shout All out right. to well, uh, my and friend Corey okay. and his new bride Grace. Uh, congratulations again. I hope you're enjoying uh, your uh, your honeymoon right now. If they listen to this, I don't know. Who knows how many people who's listening? To this? We just give shout outs. Like if you yeah. listen to the show and you want to like interact with us, we'll probably end up giving you a shout out at some point. Let's just be honest. We'll probably end up giving you a shout out. Um, so let's start off with that truck series race in Texas. Uh, it was the first race of the weekend, basically yeah. down in Texas. So it was the first yeah. real opportunity to see what track temperatures was going to be like. And I don't think. I know we probably went to Texas. I know we went to Texas last year in the in, in the hot summer, but it's I think July. Was, so it was in July. July. Oh boy, that was even worse. Um, but so this was really one of our first main yeah. shots at really seeing what Texas is like in a hot, hot heat during a day race. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. You know, the PJ one, the traction compound that's up there, it's still black ice no matter what. I mean, you could. It, it looks like towards the lower end of where they've applied it. It seems like that can be sticky, and that can kind of create a second groove. But once you get, like, your left rear is out of that, I mean, you're gone. You're in the wall. There's not much you can do. If you're not in the wall, you're probably off the throttle and on the brakes trying to just gather some kind look for any kind of grip that's up there. Um, There was a lack of tire fall off. Obviously, that was a big problem, I think, that we saw, uh, especially in the truck series. That was a problem. Um, and, and that's, that's surprising to me considering you would expect a hot slick racetrack in the middle of Texas in the middle of June at high noon would probably create for a slick racetrack and make for more tire wear, but Goodyear brought a durable tire, man. And I guess they just decided, Hey, it's good. We just, you know, pit stop, pit strategy, drivers racing on whatever tires. It's no big deal. Um, but it looked like from the whole entire onset that John Hunter Nemechek was a truck to beat. And as he has shown throughout the majority of Our KBM season, has shown KBM. Yeah. KBM is really doing really well this season. Uh, but especially with John Hunter, just, I mean, he's killing it right now in the truck series. He's probably my championship favorite. If I have to be honest with you, um, God, yes. but it looked, so here's the thing. I was able to catch like the first stage and a half before I had to go. And then I was listening to the rest of it on the radio before I got to um, the tennis courts that I was I was going to be at covering, um, and it was good fun time. But you know, in general, it it seemed to me like a lot of the races this weekend, and this is kind of a broad statement, but it just seems like there was a lot of there was more crashes than we're we've been used to this season yeah. that we saw this weekend, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because. 
you know, on the one hand, I want to see drivers on the absolute limit. I want to see them on the ragged edge. And I and, and if that happens that they go over that limit and they spin out and crash and it causes a caution or whatever, it bunches up the field, you know, sometimes that could be good. That can cause some action. That can cause some drama. That can create storylines. But That's it's not the style of racing that I think we're accustomed to. You're you're, no. you're not seeing those drivers go over the ragged edge and, and wreck. You're seeing drivers wreck due to something that's more or less out of their control um you know you're trying to you have this 24 degrees of banking you have this wide wide racetrack at texas and you can only use a little bit of it it's quite literally like driving on an eight lane highway that's got construction and you have to get down to two lanes and then eventually it's going to go down to like one and a half lanes and you're going to be driving on the shoulder for a little bit I mean, that's what it seems like. That's what it looks like driving in Texas. I mean, you have the whole front stretch and back stretch, but as soon as you get into that turn, you have to funnel down into one or two lanes. And it just seems very difficult for everybody to make a pass. I mean, and I'll talk about this in the Xfinity Series, the Truck Series, even in the IndyCar race last month. It seems like it's tr- there's a second groove that's trying to make itself at Texas. But whatever it is, it's just not successful 100% of the time. It's successful maybe I would give it 85% of the time. You can make a pass or you can at the very least stay side by side. But once once you get past a certain line, it, it's just over. Josh, do you, do you kind of agree with that? And, and what are your takes on this, if you have any? I mean, I agree. I, I think Texas is just, if there's anything to Texas that, that they can hang their hat on right now, it's just that it's unpredictable. You don't know how it's going to be, especially in the stock cars. Any car, it's a little bit more kind of cut and dry, I think, at the moment in my eyes. It's that, okay, you got to funnel. Unless you're Pato Award and you want to go around the outside and turns one and two, you're going you're gonna to run single file through there. You're going to hope to get a run down the backstretch, take them to wide uh through three and four and hopefully you have the right run the right arrow not arrow push but you have the aerodynamics on your side down the front stretch the pass them to turn one in stock cars it seems like this track is different every single time we go there and maybe that's because the last three times we've or four times we've been there it has been november july november and april so you have three different weather patterns through there and maybe that's why it's kind of we're playing a little tricks in our mind uh, right now but yeah i, I just you know, I, at the end of the day i just don't i don't know why they need pj1 in turns three and four it's there it's here and it's for, unfortunately here to stay but in one and two it is certainly i, I just I agree to you. I don't know. It's a mystery to me. I can't figure it out. I don't know how these drivers are figuring it out, especially without practice. Um, so, you know, it just shows how good they are that they're able to figure it out. I think Sheldon Creed, he found the limit twice, um, and it cost him a cost him a finish. Um, there was, I, again, I didn't get a chance to see any of the Xfinity race, so Rob would have to fill me in on that one. But, you know, for the, as far as the truck race is concerned, I thought it was a solid race given the circumstances. Could it have been better? Absolutely, it wasn't one of the yeah. best truck races that we're that we're going to see um, this year. Um, but I think somewhat the strategy saved that race a little bit. Um, in my strategies eyes, can't what, save boring races. Strategies yeah. when you 
when you start watching a, a race and you start seeing guys trying crazy things, trying to make it on hit some ridiculous fuel number or yep. trying to make it on super old tires, you know, that can make for an exciting yep. race, even yes. if the track is not producing it. Yes. And it kind of came down to Chase and, and Hunter Nemechek here, Chase Elliott, because he was in the 24 mm-hmm. for GMS, the, 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 the truck that Jack Wood will be in the rest of the year. Um, and it kind of came down to John Hunter Nemechek just being able to run those tires harder, faster, longer. Uh, Kanye West drop in there, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know. I just, we'll get into this a little bit later with, with, with the All-Star race. But I just want to give a shout out here real quick to Josh Berry. He uh, stepped, yeah. into that, he stepped into that that Rackley WAR truck and got a top 10 finish. Uh, Didn't see place. that coming. I did not see that coming um, at all. So, you know, hey, Josh Berry's continuing to show I can drive this. I can drive a, a heavy stock car. Give it's me a shot. It's fun to watch these short track drivers on the national stage. And we'll talk more about them when we get to SRX. But I'm, yeah. it's really cool to see Josh Berry do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and other than that, for the truck race, I mean, I would classify it as it was a race that happened. It was a race. I think that's how we've mostly approached most of the truck races from this past year. Most of the year, they're races that happened. There's really not much to write home about them. That's the problem. The truck series used to be so much more exciting than it is. I don't know if it's Fox's coverage or what. I think it's a mix. I think it's a mix of just, uh, and I can, and I complained about it. Like my mom, I'm sitting there. I've traveled home to Indiana, as we mentioned this weekend, and I'm sitting at home there watching the race. And my my mom's having to suffer through my complaining and and my just pointing out stuff. But I think it's a mix. Deals with every single time we watch a race together. Yeah, I think it's just a mix of a the truck series just seems this year to have that one truck, maybe two. That just kind of get out there and spank everybody that race. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, we're fixated on that. The broadcast is fixated on that. And yeah, they, they dive back to, like, here's a battle for 7th and 8th. But the battle's still going on, and we switch it back to the leader to get a pit report on their tire strategy. Well, great. Like, the tire strategy is clearly working out for them. They're, they're, they're out in the lead by, by seven seconds. So I don't know. I just, um, yeah, when it comes to what race was it this year for the Trump, I'm looking scroll upwards. It was uh, race 11 this Jeez. year. I mean, there's been three or four that have been like, all right, yeah, this was a good race. The other seven, eight races have been races that happened under that filing there. Rob, I don't know what you had to say about the Xfinity Series race. Yeah, I want to get onto the Xfinity Series here real quick because, again, the Xfinity Series kind of suffered the same problem that the Truck Series had, where the outer groove is just still black ice, I call it. Black ice. Every time we go to Texas, I say, oh, be better be careful for that black ice up on that outer groove because that's pretty much what it is. It's, yeah. You get up there, it it, it looks tempting because – Oh, you think it's going to be sticky? You think it's going to be grippy like most places that apply a traction compound would be? But it's no, it's not. It's the opposite. You go up there and say, what am I doing? Is this ice? Am I driving on snow? What? It, what I, I'm in the wall? What do you mean? I was 
just trying to make a pass. What happened? They need to get chains out there for these guys, man. I mean, really, man. And, and but there's so there's a lot more crashes and yellows, like much like the the truck series. There's a lot more crashes than again we've seen the past couple of weeks. I think, you know, we've seen races go flag to flag to the end with only breaks happening at the end of the stages, um, which is interesting. And there was late race restarts that kind of set up for some interesting dynamics there. That was that was fun to watch. Um, Kyle Busch winning his 99th Xfinity Series race. If he wins his 100th one, do we really still think he's going to be done with Xfinity? Well, Bob Pockers tweeted that Kyle Busch said that JGR has already sold races for him to drive next year in the Xfinity Series. So he's not done. He has to. Yeah, he wouldn't be done at least next year. And I never really believed that he would retire, you know, kind of hang it up, especially when he's only going to have five per year. And and if he wins five races per year in the Xfinity Series, can you really be mad about that? And he's not even winning the Xfinity Series. I yeah, think like he, if he doesn't win, can you even be mad yeah. about him? I I, I I I've Rob, I got I don't want to show my card too much on this because I think it's an idea I have for a future show and a question. But you know, I'm not upset that he won the race. I'm not upset that he's going to win a hundred within the next. 12 months, 12, uh, 16 months, all, you know, all, most likely. I don't care. That doesn't really bother me. He's a great talent. He deserves to win it. Um, I know, but he's going to get 100, and he's going to race next year. We know that. That's what you can tell. So if you've been worried about that, if that's you mean your question, Bob Pockers answered it for you. He tweeted it out there. You can go ch- check his Twitter handle in case you think we're just blowing smoke up your butt. That's um, all I really. That was the only question. I just it, all I put here is, is he done after a hundred? That's all I asked. Let me ask you: Did you did you think he was going to hang it up after a hundred? Did you really think he would hang up the helmet after he got the one hundredth win and say, "I'm I didn't gone"? Say hang up the helmet. I mean, if he wants to be done with the Xfinity series and just focus on Cup and Truck, I heck, I wouldn't even have minded that. If he wants to I run a bunch of truck races, the Xfinity race. So you think he would have hung up the Xfinity helmet after he got 100 wins? Did you, did you really believe it when he said that? Whenever that was, I was about 50-50. I mean, yeah. I knew I knew sponsorships and commitment prior commitments were probably going to prevent a lot of that. But you know, if Kyle goes up and tells Joe the coach, it, he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm I've done everything I need to do in the Xfinity series. I don't I don't know why I need to be running down here. I mean, the only reason that Kyle should." Is is running it is because when the Xfinity Series runs on new tracks, that's where he's going. So he, is he gonna, he's going to be at Nashville, right? I can't remember if he's at Nashville. Yes, he is. He's at Nashville because he's in. I think him and Reddick are the only two Cup guys. In so it, yeah, Reddick, I mean, the thing is, Anderson's car. If Kyle's just going out there to get some extra experience for himself, you yeah. know, I don't. I mean, if he wins, great, great, cool. A guy who showed up in a glorified R and D car just whipped the whole field. Great. That it's it's Kyle Busch, dude. You, if he shows up on Sunday and does the same thing, everybody will just ride it off to KFP. I mean, it's yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. it's, that's how I feel. All right, um, moving on here to IndyCar in Detroit. Uh, this one was okay. So I crapped on Detroit all week, and I'm going to say you crapped on Detroit. This turned out to be a pretty good weekend, man. This is what that's always happens. Thing. I'm I thinking about this every, entire time. Every time, every time I go on the show and I crap on something. I just say, no, it's it's awful. It's bad. I say, it's not going to be a good race. It's not going to be a good event, or this guy's not going to be very good in the race. What ends up happening is the exact opposite of what I say ends up being true. Well, so, here's what we need you to do, Rob. Every single time, there's a, every week, you know, we need you to just crap on how bad the racing is going to be. 
and we're going to have the best season ever. It sounds like that's the only way it'll work because I I'm sitting here I'm sitting here in a tennis at the tennis match right, and I'm watching it and I'm trying to stay off my phone because I'm trying to be a good reporter and really get a sense of idea of what's going on right. I'm trying to be trying to do good do do my job stay off Twitter, and all of a sudden I find out Rosenquist is in the wall hard, and the race is not as bad as. I thought it was going to be. There's actually more passing. There's good strategy. There's all this stuff. I'm just sitting here like, I took the, I accepted this. I specifically accepted this assignment because I figured it would be on during the IndyCar race and I just did not care about Detroit. So I figured, all right, this is going to be a race. I'm not going to care if I miss or not. So I'll just go ahead and get some extra cash, get some extra money, get some byline in there in the paper the next day, and that won't matter. But no, Rosenquist crashes. He, he's out. He, I mean, that was scary. Holy Gosh. cow, man. Well, I, I was mean, flipping back and forth, and next thing I know, I see Rosenquist up on the wall. I'm like, what in the world happened there? And um, they're saying, you know, it's it was a vicious crash, hard crash. And I'm like, ooh, that's not good to... I, they didn't show a replay. Like they showed a replay, and then they didn't show a replay until he was out uh, extricated from the car. Obviously, glad to see that, or hear that. When, um, who who's the doctor for IndyCar? His name slipped in my mind. He gets out there and goes, you know, yeah, he he's okay. He's waking alert, and it's kind of nice to just you know to know that they're taking their time, which is a good thing. If there was if there was hustle and bustle, that's your that that's where the bells and whistles are going off in your head, saying something's wrong. Um, and then that they took him to the infield care center first is a good sign that they didn't rush him to the hospital. So there's a lot of good things that happened there that maybe if you had just tuned in and you're new, you're like, oh my gosh, is this guy okay? Is he going to be all right? Um, but yeah, that was a very scary wreck. And watching the replay the first time, I felt the impact and I'm like, oh, oh man, my gosh, man. I just like, oh, I didn't like that at all. That's a horrible, that has to, I don't even, I don't, I can't even begin to fathom what that feeling's like. But, I'm like, I, I was scared. And it was a replay 12 feet away on, on a television. Oh, I didn't I didn't like that at all. I don't blame you. It was a scary accident. I, man, I saw it. I, I see, here's the thing. I, I pulled it up. I said, screw it. I got to find out what happened. I pulled it up and I pulled up the replay. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there speechless. I just couldn't believe it. And when they told him he was awake, when they, when I found out he was awake and alert, I was I was I was so thankful, you know, because because look look look, if you don't follow soccer, like you don't know what happened in the morning. The morning, like I'm sitting there I in saw, the morning, you saw this. Christian Eriksen goes down in cardiac arrest. Now I'm a Tottenham fan. Christian Eriksen played for Tottenham, so I know him. Like I am invested in him as a fan. That scared me. So I'm scared about Christian. I mean, he doesn't play for Tottenham anymore, but. I still like him as a player. It doesn't matter. I mean, his, his Spurs forever. You know what I mean? To dare is to do. I, I'm just saying. But um, I I I was just so scared by that, and then seeing Rosenquist have that same accent, I'm just yeah, just a sinking feeling, a scary scary morning. I think and an afternoon for all of us uh, in the sports world. I think, but it, just glad to see Rosenquist get out of there. And uh, I guess he's he's eaten. He was hanging out with Marcus Erickson, I guess. Erickson posted about it on Twitter. And Erickson ended up winning this race. And I'm going to talk about why Erickson won this race because Will Power had the lead the whole time. Will Power was dominant. Will Power was going to lead. Penske has got screwed both race both races. They did. I mean, really. Uh, Penske cars got kind of screwed both races. Not screwed, but like 
kind of had bad I, luck happen to them. Yeah, well, let's Power talk about got screwed. That. I don't. I, New Garden didn't get screwed in race two. He just had yeah. bad. He just got passed. I um, think but, Power got screwed by procedure. Yes, Power got screwed one hundred percent by procedure because you. I, so I'll, I'll I'll sum this up for those of you who haven't seen it. Great because, interview. Yeah, NBC went off the air way before this even aired. I don't know. People said they tried the NBC Sports app. They couldn't find it. People said it wasn't on Peacock. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, what. The, you had to see it on the on the app. It was on social media. Well, they stayed with it on Sky F1, so most of what you were seeing from it was from like UK viewers who had actually who were actually able to see the interview. Will Power was mad, and he's mad because when he pulls in, he's the first car there, and they did not put any fans on his he his his ECU. Yeah, the procedure is that all cars must basically come to a stop before the tower gives crews permission to attend to the vehicles. Yeah. And during that time, I mean, the guy in the back can be going super slow, you know, and, and taking his sweet time. All the while, the ECU is frying because it's yep. it, it's it's overheating. It's overheating. It's not getting and cold. And it was it's hot on air. Saturday. And it, it, it was, was hot, hot. The humidity was ridiculous. I think it was like the humidity was making a 14-degree difference on Saturday. I think so because it had rained earlier in the, in the day, I yeah. think. It was very hot in Detroit. Is uh, particularly with the humidity, so I, I think he's right. I get, I love Will Power's passion that he was so mad. The first thing that came to my mind is like, is he going to get fined by the series that his team owner owns? <laughs> and I'm kind of glad we didn't hear anything about it. I don't think I heard anyone answer the question: Is Will Power going to be fined? Um, based off of you know, basically, you know, he said ass twice, and he uh, basically called the IndyCar. On a broadcast, barely anybody anybody saw. Oh no! Yeah, and in that he basically called IndyCar officials out for not listening to the drivers, really criticizing them. I I don't think an IndyCar oh. driver has done it in a long time. So I appreciate that, and I think he's got a point. He's like, look, allow my guy to go out there and attend to my car right away because it is a you know it is in that case right there. First, I think he was mad that there was a red flag. That what should yeah. that have been a red flag is very questionable. I think that was IndyCar taking a rule book out of NASCAR and going for the entertainment side instead of the race purity you side. In my opinion, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but in my opinion, they could have easily cleaned the accident up, gotten Grosjean's car like off the track. I probably had at the very least a one lap, like a green, green, uh, white kind of situation. They, they could have at, at the least. very least thrown the car, thrown the green and white, give a one lap restart. They might even had at two. the very least get a green finish. You know, yeah, it was very, it was very. For, for, so that was frustrating. He, I think, and that I was think, a second red flag, and that was why the time the, the the coverage ran over time, so we didn't yep. even get to see this amazing interview. Yeah, and so I mean, if you haven't seen it, go to NBC IndyCar Twitter or instagram and you can find it on, on there it's a very passionate interview i mean he just he actually ended up walks away basically after alexander rossi comes up to him and and he's yeah like, if rossi didn't got any lucky either um so it just and again i tweeted don't ever question these guys passion to win a race because okay. right there was just a demonstration that he wants to win he's frustrated he hasn't won you know now there's that was the seventh race of the year of a currently 16 race schedule potentially 17 and he has not won yet and he wants to win and he wants to win for the he wants to win for this uh, team owner just like every single one guy out there and he i think he had one stolen 
Did you see the stat that this is Penske's worst start to a season since 1999? I did see that, yeah. That was when they were still building their own chassis, and they had Al Jr. and whoever else was in the second car. You can, and so, you know, it's amazing how, how, how a weekend can change that. Because in, in reality, you could have had a, a Penske sweep. And then you're yeah. going to say, well, Penske's back on track. They're, they're threats to win the championship again. You know? And now and, we're putting out that stat. And now we're yeah, now we're putting out that. And I think that was absolutely that's just that's just how quickly fortunes can change in racing. And hey, and, speaking of fortunes. Yeah, sorry, let's talk about the race there, too. But, uh, you want to talk about good fortunes. Marcus Erickson actually ended up winning that race. Yes. And that's his first IndyCar race, and they said on the broadcast too, and it, I looked it up, it was true. That's his first win, period, since he was in GP two. In twenty thirteen. Which is crazy because that's the thing. I remember watching those tape-delayed GP2 broadcasts at really weird hours, okay, back then. I'm watching Marcus Erickson run. I was impressed with him back then. I still have been. I always have been. But, man, when Erickson was back in GP2, he was he was something else, man. So it's good to see him finally get this kind of monkey off of his back where people have been, like, wondering, oh, well, is Marcus... Is he good or is he a pay drop? No, Marcus Erickson is good. He always has been good. Ignore the fact that he has money. He's good, okay? That's what matters. Money can't buy talent. Money can buy race cars, but it can't buy talent. And Marcus Erickson has talent. Um, so congrats to Marcus. I mean, that's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, definitely good to see. Definitely good to see. I can't, you can't, if, if, if you can't have a guy who definitely deserved to win, you want to see a guy like that steal it. You know, the guy 100%. who's like, you know, he... He was owed one. This guy was owed one, and he's been owed one for a few years. You know, I don't think racing owes anyone anything, but, you know, in that line of saying, look, Will Power deserved to win that race. He got, he got, he got Detroit screwball there, all right? Marcus Erickson was the beneficiary, and, and it had been a while since he tasted victory champagne. So race two was a bit less hectic, but also well, more hectic, if that makes any sense. No big, big crashes. Um, but you did have uh, a really great run to the finish had a great between New Garden and Pato Award. So you have a late, a, another late yellow. Basically. Two late yellows. Yeah, two, two late, late yellows. yellows. And first of all, I want to say before I get it too far into this on the start, that was crazy. Whatever Scott Dixon did. On the I don't start. know. The, the dude's got a horseshoe that is the luckiest horseshoe in the world. Whatever he is, he needs to cut just a little bit of that off and throw it to the 48 car oh for crying gosh. out loud. I mean, that was insane. I thought for sure we were going to have a big pileup. He should have snapped back left and into oh, yeah. the wall. There was, mm -hmm. I, when I saw that, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That was the most impressive. I mean, I held my breath from there, and then as soon as it was over, I just had to stop and appreciate the talent of Scott Dixon and Alexander Rossi as well, who was involved in that. You just yeah. have to stop and appreciate those guys, catch your breath for a minute, and be like, man, these guys are really good. They are at the top of their game. Um, and, and really, we had a great battle between Newgarden and Pato Award there. And Pato was coming. Newgarden was coming. I mean, it looked like this is the thing. I think Newgarden, the strategy didn't play out for Newgarden. I think the problem is you had Newgarden was on older reds. He was on, what, three-lap old reds or that were starting to fall off. Yeah, he had scuff. He put scuffs on three laps. Yeah, scuff. so he was on scuff reds, and Pato was on brand new primaries. Mm -hmm. So those reds basically have lost their luster already. I think and if he didn't have to, if he didn't have to handle that second caution, 
Yeah. If he didn't have a second restart, I think he would have had it. But Pato Pato was just flying, and he making those turns in the first turn. I mean, he was doing it both days. He Mm -hmm. was going crazy, making crazy moves, trying to get through. And he goes up, and as soon as he passes Newgarden, you could just see Newgarden is holding up the rest of the field. He was literally holding up. He finished second. Good for Newgarden. But I wonder what would have happened if Colton Herta could have just gotten by him earlier and gone and fought with Pato. I think well, that would Herta have been had got passed by Polo. So he so it was kind of Polo at that well, point. Polo, yeah, Polo I'm sorry, I forgot about Polo. Yeah, I I um you felt for I felt bad for 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 Newgarden in that sense because he his strategy was screwed from lap one because I got a caution on lap one and and like that's like you've got to be kidding me and you know that's the worst that's what makes IndyCar so exciting though and a, a caution on lap one can change the whole strategical game for you and that's exactly what happened to them and uh, yeah I, uh, I, I you feel bad for that one if they didn't again if they didn't have the uh, it was what was this last caution for? Yeah, it was for um, Roman Grosjean having brake fire. Yeah, how about this? It, he caught on fire again. First of all, well, I um, thought for a second I was a little scared because I thought he was. I mean, okay, I, I, I don't say this lightly. I'm saying this is what really went through my mind. I thought he was having a PTSD moment because he was rapidly getting out of that car, and then I figured out. He's not he's not worried about that. He's worried about the car being on fire. He was trying to find a fire extinguisher to put the fire out. And I'm like, I don't and he couldn't find one quick enough, and then he kind of gets pushed away by AMR, like, I just wanna put the fire out of my car, you know? I wanna save the car. I mean it's an expensive fix. So I was I, I think he didn't want to deal with fire at all. I think as soon as yeah. he saw the brakes yeah. start to heat up and start to you know, catch fire, I think he was like, All right, I'm out. I'm gonna yeah. put this out myself. You know, I'm not yeah. touching this. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm out. I'm not even gonna try to drive back to the garage with this. I'm out. I'm oh, gonna yeah. go. Well I think the, I, the I think any, any other driver was gonna do that. I think any other driver like discovers or team yet says, Hey, your 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 brakes are on fire, your brakes have failed. Not always. I mean, you've seen drivers come into the pits with overheating and sometimes on fire brakes. It's not uncommon. I just think Grosjean saw the flames and probably just figure, all right, what's at the at the end of the race, we're out of contention. I'm and not going yeah, to mess with this. He had to do a pass through penalty for avoidable contact with yeah. uh, uh, Harvey. Harvey, yeah. So he figured he probably is figuring I'm done. I'm just surprised it took the medical team as fat as long as it did. But at the same time, I'm not. It's a surprising to me a little of bit course. that marshals, marshal the marshals on the side of the the track didn't have fire extinguishers ready to go. That was kind of surprising to me personally. Um, because when Grosjean went over to the marshals, he's going to the marshals to be like, "Hey, bring me a fire extinguisher! Bring me fire yeah. extinguisher!" Yeah. And the marshals like scrambling, like, "Uh, hold on, hold on, let me find it. Here you go." And by the time he finally gets this extinguisher, now the the safety team is there. So yeah. Um, just just an interesting series of events there. Glad Grosjean's okay. Yeah. Also, let's just talk. Let's. I want to add this too. Oliver Askew was called to substitute for Felix Rosenquist, the guy <laughs> who replaced noticed, him. I mean, let's just talk about that little bit of irony. I, I was kind of shocked that he I was the guy. That. I didn't expect that either. I would I think I would have been less shocked if McLaren just said, we're not fielding the car tomorrow. I mean, that's what I was... I, that's what I, I thought I they were going to do what they did last year when Askew was out and just be like, hey, Elio, you doing anything? 
No, I'm an SRX. Uh, can you get to Detroit real quick? <laughs> he could have done that. He could have raced at SRX on Saturday night and got to Detroit the next day. He could have. He could have done that. Um, yeah, they was well, Stafford. Stafford's up in where's Stafford? Connecticut. I mean, he, Connecticut. That's, that's, that's not a long flight. He could have got there overnight. It'd be a red eye flight, but you know, yeah. I mean, he could have done. I don't know. I assume Askew was the the better choice, well, and I guess was he was already side. there. Yeah, um, he, was on he was there for IMSA, right? Uh, he was there. He was like a driver coach for Andretti in the right. But lights. he's running an IMSA now, isn't he? I did his class run. I, I think remember. it did. I thought so. I thought they ran all three, all okay. four classes. But anyway, my point is, I think we should move on to the All Star Race because that's what we really got to talk about. Um, well, we got that really... SRX left. Yeah, I mean, we got SRX. SRX can be fun, but the All Star Race, I got to get a couple of things out of my way first. So first of all, I don't know how you call this a, a race. This was six individual heats. This was not a full race. This was six individual heats. And five of them didn't pay anything. Five of them didn't count. Mm -hmm. One did. I had major problems with... Okay, I'll just be be straight. I'll just be straight. I had major problems with the All-Star Race in its current form. And I'm going to expand on this later in the upshift downshift, but I want to get this out of the way first. First of all, the open. The open was cool a long time ago. It's not cool anymore. Okay? When you let three guys, two guys basically, get in for winning a round, that's not anything. The rounds field don't mean filler. anything. You field can't, filler. It, it is a field filler. I'm sorry. Ross Chastain was not necessarily a field filler, but he kind of was. Same with Al- Eric Almrola. Also kind of a field filler. And... Who's the fan vote winner of Reddick? Well, or no, no, Reddick won a round, and Redick, then Benedetto won the fan vote. De Benedetto won a fan vote. So we had three drivers, and plus De Benedetto. So you had Reddick, uh, you had um, Chastain, you had Almarola, and you Benedetto. had Benedetto. Not saying there's anything wrong with those guys, but it would have been a lot more fun to just watch those four guys race each other in a 30 lap sprint to try and get into the All Star race. I'm just saying. Um, and you, you compile that, the fact that in 20 laps, in 20 laps, you had five cars go a lap down at Texas. 20 laps. Less than that for some of them. Quinn Hauf went down a lap, I think, with like five laps to go in the round. Well, I they mean, have to participate. I mean, at some point, I have to question and wonder... Why these guys showed up? It well, they seems, have to. If you like, own a charter, you have to participate. I'm asking the guys who don't own a charter because MBM brought cars there. Yeah, and they were slow too. They were also lapped down. I praised MBM at the Daytona 500 because yes, they were faster than the Rick Ware cars, but the Rick Ware cars were faster than them here. And to be honest with you, I have to question why. Now, I thought the Open would be a chance for open teams to run. They really didn't. And then you combine that and here so here's here's also well, what I'm going like, to say. Well, you're you're uh, not, not to interrupt you Rob, but I think you're somewhat missing one thing and I think a lot of people on Twitter pointed out too. I think MBM was hoping for Timmy Hill to get the fan vote. And they in that NASCAR released the fan vote the day before the top drivers were um uh, like De Benedetto, Wallace, Suarez. I can't remember the other two now. 
But I can't believe Bubba didn't make the fan vote. I thought for sure Bubba yeah. would make the fan vote. But well, man, in the in that uh, if Danica people, can get people, the fan people, vote for years, how did Bubba not get the fan vote? I think I think people were pointing out though that like Timmy Hill, like people were saying, BS Timmy Hill is not in the top five right now. You know, I think that was kind of like I think I honestly think that's why NBN brought Timmy Hill in the sixty six. They, they brought the thirteen to, too. I can't speak to that. Luck, they were hoping for they're hoping for people to crash out. I guess, and they just about did. I, I, it just, it's, it's weird to me. It's just weird to me. It's really weird to me. I feel like, I feel like Ryan Priest. I understand why he didn't. I understand why JTG didn't. But I would have preferred to see like a legitimately competitive open car try to race into the All Star race. And I understand why they didn't. I'm not criticizing them. I'm not criticizing JTG for not entering that car they have no obligation to they have no reason to but i'm saying as a fan i would have preferred to see that over what i ended up seeing when we move on to the actual all-star race again and i've i i I crap on the lower horsepower packages and i do that it was even lower horsepower to this week but there's tracks where it works okay there's tracks where it works i don't want to say it actually works at texas because i don't think it does because what we saw in the All-Star race was like NASCAR was trying to there it's like they're trying to make mile and a half races racetracks drive like Talladega and Daytona. Yeah. You That's have this momentum-based racing that is really frustrating. Not yeah. just from a oh my gosh, not just from a driver's standpoint. I can only mm-hmm. imagine as a driver. The, I can't your, imagine your foot to the floor. Driver. Your foot is to the floor. And there is nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do. You're, except... you're open for draft and or, and someone in front of you to wiggle. Really? And, I, I mean, it was, yes, it's cool to see a pack of cars fly by side by side for two laps at Texas. But then when the, that pack gets spread out and you start to realize, oh, nobody can pass, then you have a problem. Now, inverting the field after each round. Not a bad thing. Didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. Here's the here's here's my thing for the All Star Race. I'm gonna say. Here's what they need to do: less rounds. Just 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 make it like a regular one stage stage one stage two stage. Make it like a regular race. You have stage one. You have stage two. You stage three. You go stage one. You invert after that. Stage two. You invert. You invert after that. Stage three. Balls to the wall. Go one mandatory pit stop. That's how it should be. That's that's how I think it should be. You make your one. You have stages one and two. Be short. Be pretty short. That you can have be twenty laps. That you could, stages one two could be 30, 20 laps. But then there's no reason why you can't make the final stage sixty laps and put a mandatory pit stop in there and try and make some strategy out of it. And then here's the thing that bothered me the most is they have this fifth this fifth stage that's going on and they're like, oh by the way, we're gonna have the pit stop competition and everything and. Whatever happened with that? What you can't throw you? It's like they shoehorned in this pit stop competition to try and that make some kind of strategy out of it. That wasn't the that was, but they they made the mandatory pit stop mean something, and I didn't think that was such the that wasn't the, the worst idea in the world because it it quite literally showcased why racing is a team sport. You know, yes. Yellow line to yellow line. I don't think that was the worst idea. In fact, I thought that I thought that was the biggest home run of the race. Was that all right? This last stage here. 
All right, we we we've reset, we've re-racked it. Your first f- four rounds, uh, cumulative finish have 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 set the lineup. All right, we go racing, and in the 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 first twenty laps, you've got to make a green flag pit stop, and uh, it's going to be a competition between you and the other. I think there's twenty one cars out there total. You and the twenty other cars to see who can have the fastest yellow line to yellow line. And that, and a lot of it's going to depend on the driver. You saw some drivers get dinged for speeding penalties. I think Dylan and Kyle Busch got dinged for speeding penalties. And, uh, you know, Chase Elliott's crew and Chase Elliott came out on top there. Yellow line to yellow line. Best through, you know, he held his, he held his pit speed. And the crew got out. I never did see a time for the crew, though. Um, yeah, I didn't either. I, I think I think Fox like intentionally did that so like it didn't kind of give it away, but then they then gave it away because they showed the nine pit crew with like three officials down there. All right, we're reviewing everything. Like, okay, the nine team won. We can figure. I'll figure this out. Like Mike Joy's like, and we can when we come back from commercial, we'll tell you who won the pit crew challenge. Mike, I hate to tell you, man, we all we all already know. But I didn't I didn't have such a problem with that. I'll give them this. I we, we we crapped on this. We crapped on this hard when they announced this format. I'm not a fan of the six round deal, but I appreciated what they did to make the fast cars try to earn their starting position for round five. That then ultimately set up for the ten lap shootout. I appreciate what they did. Now looking back at it, but I don't think you should have to bring a calculator with you to the racetrack <laughs> or to your couch to figure out what's going on. Or if you, cause if you don't have cell service, you can't rely on Bob Pockris. Okay. No, you, you know, that's, the, that's the thing. Right? Thank God for Bob Pockris. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, look, the racing was actually halfway decent, better than I thought it would be. And I think this is somewhat, it's not a very heavy, uh marker strike but it's a very thin line strike for when in the track specific pack or track specific package column all right i would agree with that i you know so because the 510 whatever there it made the the racing a little bit better than this the 550 look hey i think we all know the 550 is going to be coming up this is the way it's direction going but rob i'm going to say this again i've said it before broken record what would that race have looked like if you have a two-inch spoiler on the back of that car? I think you're gonna. I think you would have had a really good race, a really good all-star race. You might have had a guy like Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott and not be able to recover from racing side by side from with Brad Keselowski going by because then they couldn't tag team to catch him. It would only have to been on pure speed, and mm-hmm. I think that would. I think that would have been a little bit more exciting and more upset win. Um, but uh, overall, I think Rob Detroit and Texas surprised us, at least from the cup side, Texas surprised us. Okay. And, um, it was actually not the worst all-star race in the world. Uh, So I, I, good, good for good. I sucked that it wasn't on Fox. I think that should tell you something, you know, (laughs) Westminster kennel dog show got is apparently more of a priority for Fox than uh, the All-Star is. I can't believe that for a second, but whatever. Um, I, I, it may, why couldn't the, the, the Westminster 
dog show be earlier in the day? I don't know, but well, there's okay, okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be for a minute. There's a there's a number of weird things in the All Star race. Overall, overall, I'm not gonna say anything bad about the racing product. The racing product was actually really good. Yeah. It was actually really good. I agree. I agree. I agree. It's everything that was around it. It was the format. It was the even even in some cases. I thought a lot of the pre race was in there. Sammy Hagar is playing a pre show to start. The, I, I look. I said something about it. Anyway, it was bigger in Texas, and it was quite the show. I thought okay. I get that, but I said something on Twitter, and someone called me a clown for it. Thanks, guy. Appreciate you. Um. Because I just I, I I'm sitting here thinking like this is the most ridiculous thing in the world and if this is popular, how much longer until NASCAR's BS fan council decides that this is something that they want to see more of, and that's what I meant by that. Like every time NASCAR tries these new things, I feel like they're they're pushing it on us, and they say they have this fan council, and I know I'm getting on a totally different topic here. They say they have this fan council. But there's no way that this quote-unquote fan council is actually asking for the things that NASCAR is doing. Like, there's nobody. I don't think anybody asked for Sammy Hagar to play a pre-race concert that you can't even hear. It's as dumb as the snake pit. I think the snake pit at Indianapolis is dumb. I've been about this. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. You're there to watch the race. Why are you trying to watch a concert when there's cars going around in circles around the concert? It's stupid. It's not aimed at you and me, though. It's not. It's aimed at the people who aren't. How are you in hearing racing. a concert? If I'm going to a concert, the point of going to a concert is to hear my band, the band that I want to hear, play live. Why is how is this a better and a better show when you can when you're hearing the band, but you can barely hear them because there's engine noises around it? This is this this yeah. doesn't make sense. So then, yeah. so yeah, Sammy Hanger playing. You can like Sammy Hager. There's nothing wrong with liking Sammy Hager. I just think the fact that that's how they start decided to do the pace laps was a bit over the top and ridiculous. Okay, it did it was, a little long. It did. It was uh, very long. Was, like that. That was what killed me. I'm like, okay, we're going to go through the whole three minute song here. Yeah, um, we did. Because, we did. We did go through the whole song. Yeah, that was that, that, that was a little bit over the top. Yes. I don't mind the, I didn't watch the three theatrics in the beginning because I was outside with family. And then I came back in and, and watched the race. You're lucky. Um, but I, I got in time to watch Sammy Hagar, uh, sing. <laughs> look, I didn't have a problem with that, but that, that, that was cool. That was interesting. They went through the driver yeah. lineup with that. But when you're just showing pace laps, I'm like, this is a good time to go side by side. <laughs> Or this is a better time to do what you're supposed to do during the pace laps, which is talk about the starting exactly. lineup. Yep, yep, I agree. I'm hey, tired Bob. of Fox. Like, look, I'm tired of Fox going doing this stupid thing where they show the top ten in this stupid comic book style, and on the side of the screen instead of the freaking middle where you want it to be, and then they decide, oh, the top ten's done. We'll just run the bot the rest at the bottom of the screen where nobody's gonna pay attention for most of the time. And if you want to see where your favorite driver starts, screw you. You know, just, just, NBC still does full. Well, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they did. They have done it in the past. I don't know if they're going to do it with NASCAR, but they still do full grids. Okay, full starting lineup year. grids. They don't talk about every driver. They usually go to the stupid in-race reporter or whatever, like ESPN did. But look, man, 
something's got to be done about this pre-race crap. That was awful on Fox's part. And I'm so glad they're done after this because that was just awful garbage stuff. I have, I had no idea. I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a starting lineup that everybody drew for, and I have no idea who's starting where because I can't figure out or watch a good starting lineup like you're supposed to have. That's so I'm talking about pre-race. I'm talking about let's talk about post-race now for a minute. Eddie Gossage, the big surprise was actually a bunch of light up drones saying thank you, Eddie. Um, much to my dismay, I really thought he was just going to, you know, have a crew go down there after the race and shove some dynamite in a turn one and two and just blow that thing to all the smithereens like he should have done and say, We're starting over. We're fixing this crap. And as my final thing, I'm going to apologize for ruining this and blow it up. Didn't happen. Oh, well. I wanted it to happen. Didn't happen. But, okay, overall, overall, all-star race, good racing. Thumbs up from the racing product. If we had just stuck to that and no gimmicks, no crappy pre-shows, no awful post-shows, just straight balls-to-the-wall racing for a predetermined short number of laps, 40 laps, 50 laps, 60 laps, however you want to do it, then you got an all-star race. 22 of the best drivers in the in the series right now going toe-to-toe for 30, 40 laps in an all-star race. That's what I'm talking about. That's great. Everything else, complete BS. Josh, before we move on to SRX, what are your thoughts? What are your final thoughts on the all-star race? I, I, I didn't really have anything else to add. I mean, I'm not big on gimmicks or, you know, the all-star race was supposed to be fun. Um, the racing product, I think, overall was fun. Um, but there was too many I, breaks. But there was, so you there didn't was, get to see a lot of it play out, and that was frustrating was, to me. You got to take the good with bad, I think. I think some of the good racing was a product of the inverts and the number of inverts that they had. Look, we're going to get— again, was fine. We'll, we'll, Inverting we'll get, we'll, the field after each round is—I yeah. is, don't have a problem with that. I'm actually in favor of that. It's having so many rounds that it makes the first and, five, the first four you're, completely you're, pointless. You're in, you're, you're in Texas. Every they do everything bigger in Texas, and and and, and that has been one of the the staples of you know Eddie Gosh's presidency there. And in you know it, I don't know who the next guy is. I can't remember if they've already announced that or not. But well, if it goes back to Texas next year, or if it ever goes back to Texas, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens next year. Rob, I think we need to move on to SRX though. My final question though is when we talk about SRX, SRX had a hundred lap feature race, two mm-hmm. heats to get into it. Mm-hmm. Where what what racetrack have you ever been to where the feature race was ten laps? Never. The All Star Race's feature race was ten laps. Do you feel gypped? Do you feel a little bit gypped thinking because my dad called me and said, "What was the point of the first five stages?" I said, "I don't know." I I that is a hard one to argue. Again, I think it's all about. I think that the, the, the if Kyle Larson blows a tire each each round, he could lead up until the last one. Blows a tire each round, he doesn't win that race because of the because no. of the inverts. You know, he in his cumulative finish in the first four. That's why you race until the end, and that's what they did. And I get your point. I see your point, and I get your dad's point. I think that's a very microscopic way of looking at it in my opinion okay 
but I see I can't wholeheartedly disagree with your point. I see what you're I see where you're going with. So speaking of feature races, we did for time's sake, we probably didn't SRX do one SRX. That was SRX a great, was great fun. race. I was very uh, first of all, I was very impressed with CVS's presentation. Me CVS's too. coverage was Really, it, it was so so much more refreshing than the crap I watched on Fox. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was so much you, more refreshing. You checked off a couple boxes. Paul Tracy and Fox are both checked off. <laughs> okay, all right. My enemies list is growing. Um, and speaking of PT, who who jumped the first SRX car? Hey, you know what? I don't think that was caused <laughs> by the spin. I think he ran into Marco. Push Marco out of the way, and that's where he got the damage from. I don't think he got. Why was he horning Marco out of the way? Though I just I didn't get him. Like, what is Paul Tracy doing? Just let Marco back up, and and then he and let him go, and then you can go because you're the one that got spun. Don't punish Marco. Poor Marco. Marco was having a good race there. That was it. Was nice to see Marco up front in something that wasn't Indianapolis. That was nice. Yeah, it was good to see Marco run up in the top half of a field instead yeah. of the bottom quarter. Um, so that was I enjoyed the racing though. I mean, it the was heat very good racing. Was, the heat uh, the the heat racing was good. Um, and then the feature, I like the um the the Danica. I wrote down here, Danica's the fan friendly, not fender friendly cautions. I yeah. thought that was. They said we're just gonna throw a caution now because it, it is about the fans. It's not about. A, a season ending points total it's about being fun for the fans there and at home and i and my goodness hey i they just lobbed up the ball and ray Evernham and tony stewart crushed it out of the park man great job look man i didn't expect srx to have a caution clock let's just say that. <laughs> that's what i call i saw it as i was danica could call it whatever she wants Alan Best could call it whatever they want. SRX could call it whatever they want, but it's a caution clock. Well, I don't think they throw it if the, everyone is within two seconds of each other. You know, if, if they're all right there racing, mixing it up, I don't think they throw a caution. But because the leaders got away a little bit, they're like, okay, hold on, let's reset here. Boom. I mean, this is this is for fun. I know. This is for fun. This is this is pure entertainment. This is I, I pure get it. Nobody wants to go and watch Willie T. Ribs go two laps down. Nobody yeah. wants which I'm sorry. I don't want to crap on Willie T because I love that guy. I love it. Everybody loves him. But man, when you go out there and you say simulator, the only thing good about a simulator is a sex simulator, and then proceed to say, oh, actual quote. I know Josh is laughing about this, but that's an actual quote from Billy Willie T. Ribs. I'm not lying. You can look it up. That is an actual quote that he said in an actual press conference. He said in the only thing. The only simulator he would ever get in is a sex simulator. That is an actual thing that Willie T. Rib said. And he trained by boxing, too, which is fine, which is fine. But you got to get behind the wheel of a car, too, buddy. Yeah. You got to get behind the wheel of a car, too. (laughs) Everybody else you're racing with has been racing semi-regularly for the past 10 years. And I don't know what Willie T. Ribs has been racing semi-regularly for the past 10 years. Maybe... A little eye racing could go a long way for for Willie T. Ribs. I'm just saying. Still, no doubt he's a good yeah. driver, but oh, yeah. I think he needs a little bit more help and experience with these cars. Uh, yeah, I, I can't argue with that. You know, um, it, yeah, you definitely wanted to get some simulator time. You wanted to do a little bit. You want to take full advantage of practice, and 
Um, you know, just a shame that he's only got five more opportunities to, to at least this season to do it. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. The racing. Um, I think I really like that the guys really played it conservative mm-hmm. in the heats. And then, and then it's like, all right, guys, let's flip the switch. And next thing you know, Marco's diving down low, three wide, shoving Doug Colby. And, and who was it? I wrote it down I think here. It was Tony Stewart. Um, Tony Stewart for the lead. And I'm like, okay, Marco came to play. He mm-hmm. came to play. And that, but again, going back up, that's what, that's what, this is what this is all about. We wanted to see that beating mm-hmm. and banging. Um, I like that. They had control, and CBS kind of allowed it, where Ray Evanham said, hey, we're going to bring a backup car out for, for Greg Biffle. His car's busted. Throw him in there. He just about won in a backup car with... with, with. I'm surprised didn't he, he didn't... Have, did he have tires. fresh tires? Fresher tires? Well, he had... Okay, so they, they did the... There were the, the two heats were 71 lap total lap... Uh, 71 total laps. Okay. He had 39 lap old tires with, to start the... To start the the feature, the 100 lap feature. So while their tires were a little worn, he did still have some f- more fresh rubber on his tires. He had okay, he had a little fresher rubber. Yeah, but, not. but it wasn't. But it wasn't. It wasn't a, a large amount. But um, I'm surprised it didn't take the tires off his old car and put them on his original car and put them on that. And then I also wanted to say too, before the feature, Bill Elliott had issues. And mm-hmm. he, they said, we're not going to start the race until Bill Elliott is ready or yep. we just can't wait any longer. I'm like, win. That's a win right there. Well, he it's, got a like it's a lot like IROC. It's a lot like IROC. When you have identically prepared cars, it's not like the team did anything wrong. I mean, yeah. the sanctioning body straight up yeah. screwed up. So it's not the driver's fault. It's not the team's fault. It's, there's no teams. It's just drivers. It's not the driver's yeah. fault that the car broke down. I mean, if there's no power to the car, you got to be like, uh, yeah, no fuel. Guys, what did you guys do? My car is broken. Can I get a new one, please? <laughs> yeah, they said he he had an electronic wire failure. Um, that then as he had no fuel pressure, and it, it's kind of an important thing in a wheel in a race car. Uh, you need fuel pressure. Um, but I uh, a win. I can't wait for I get to watch it, and I I, I will get to watch the next five live. Uh, with the exception of the one during the Pocono race weekend. I'll be able to watch four of the next, of the last five races live. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I had to record this one and watch this one on Sunday morning before the IndyCar race. But, you know, I, I even stayed off social media. I'm like, I'm going to stay off social media. I don't, I don't want to see who wins um, until I watch it. And um, I was very pleasantly surprised. And I, I will, will I, you can either mention it or I will save it for later um, in the show. In a segment well, I was very fred- pleasantly surprised by everything that happening happened before I reveal who won ended up winning this race. Uh, my my one criticism and one critique, I guess I'll say, is that two 15 minute heats seemed a little bit redundant and unnecessary. I think they would be better off by one 15 because I don't. Here's the thing: I don't understand the point of having two heats when you don't have anybody that's trying to m- get into the field from from the heats and there's nobody advancing through the heats i think it'd be it'd be better if they split the field in half where you have six cars race six cars race and another one and make it like 10 minutes or something like that something like Um, that it just seemed like two 15 minute heats not only was it time consuming and excessive but 
it really just seemed pointless to have two of them when you're really it you're just determining the starting lineup for this race. It, it could have just been also TV. That could have been a little TV control saying, hey, we, okay, well, if you do this, we're only going to have an hour of television. Now we're going to have two, two and a half hours yeah, of television. Right. We'll sell more. Pro, we'll sell more. And that could have been the driving force. But also it showed like, I think it was interesting. How are these guys going to handle this? Are you going to have the guys in the first one hang back and just get the full invert and go to the front? And are the guys who fit, win that heat, are they going to drive back up to the front, use a little bit of their equipment, potentially damage their car, use up their tires? So there is a little bit of a strategy game to it. You know, how, how, how do you want to start that, the feature? Do you want to start up front as best you can? Because look at Ernie Francis Jr. He finished top five in both the, in both the heats. And and as a result, he started in the top five in the in the feature race. So I think again, I I see where you're going with, and I thought the same thing too. But it's a, it's only worrisome if you just see guys just processional, and I don't think we saw that in 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 either of the features. I can understand and respect that. Um, I'm going to move on though, because Doug Kobe won the race. Yeah, and he, he was did. the Stafford track champion, basically. Yep. He was the local star. So he had a bunch of Wheeler Modified races up there in Stafford. Uh, and he came out and he showed everybody why local track champions are are getting yeah. invited to this. Because they yeah. deserve just as much of experience and exposure as all of the drivers that they're racing against. So it was great yeah. for Doug Kobe. Great to see him just pretty much power his way through to the win. It was great. Great racing. Um you know, I'm Hold looking off. at the time right now, and I'm going to try and move on here. So, Greg Biffle was second in the backup car. Uh, Tony Stewart was third. Um, so, really, really good overall race weekend for SRX. I'm sorry, Josh. I don't know if you wanted to say no. more. No, you're good. I'm going to cut it off because I'm worried about time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump into the weekend weekend wrap-up. I'm going to try and go through this as quickly as possible because there wasn't really a lot of races this weekend um, that, like, feeder series or stuff that we're going to talk about. Uh, Indy Lights, uh, both Detroit races were swept by Kyle Kirkwood. Again, unfortunate that we had to deal with Indy Lights being in Detroit instead of being at Freedom 100. Whatever. I'll, I'll get over it never. Um, the WEC 8 Hours of Portimao was also this weekend, and if you have Motor Trend, I guess they don't like us very much because Motor Trend broadcasts the first hour and the last hour, and in between is a bunch of car reality shows or reruns, or whatever crap that my dad's watching, whatever, I'm sure. Um, my dad watches Motor Trend. I shouldn't bash it that much, but I just personally don't care for most of those shows unless it's Stacey David's Gears, and that's on Mav TV. But uh, Hypercar, Toyota Gazoo Racing won. That was Sebastian Buemi, Kazuki Nakajima, Brandon Hartley. They've been just killing it. There's only like two cars in Hypercar anyway, so... And uh, who cares? In LMP2, that was Jota Racing, Roberto Gonzalez, Antonio Felix Costa, and Anthony Davidson, the uh, Sky Sports commentator, won uh, in their class. LMGTE Pro, AF Course won with James Collado and Alessandro Pierre Guidi. I hope I didn't screw that name up. Um, LMGTE Am, Satilla Racing, I think that's right. I recognized one name in that whole thing, and that was Antonio Fuoco, because uh, he ran in... Uh, F2 and it, GP3. I, I, it's the only. I, I just recognized him from that. <laughs> everybody else. I don't. I don't even know how to pronounce their names. I don't know who their names are. But congratulations to those guys. Um, and, and then IMSA, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship was also at Detroit, Belle Isle. Uh, in DPI, Kevin Magnuson 
Chip Ganassi Racing, K-Mag, good old K-Mag swag, and uh, Ringer Vandergaard, Vanderzand, excuse me, uh, won their race in, in class. And GTLM Corvette Racing, Tommy Miller, Nick Tandy, GTG, GTD, Daytona, part of the racing team, Roman DeAngelis, and Russ Gunn won that race. Uh, outstanding performance, Josh. Go ahead and give me your quick outstanding performance here. Doug, Kobe, I mean, just just that. I, I was impressed. I didn't expect... I expected him to do well just based on how the heat ran. I didn't expect him to win. And for him to hold off a very powerful backup car with Greg Biffle behind the wheel. And, you know, Greg Biffle's a two-time NASCAR champion. And Tony Stewart, he's a three-time NASCAR champion. And, and uh, you know, he basically won everything but the Daytona 500. Two very talented guys. And he held him off. And I think he showed, hey, we, like you mentioned... We short track champions. We guys, even this guys in the in the wheel and modified series, we can get this done. You put us on a short track, we'll go toe to toe. I was impressed. It's a shame it's the only one he's going to be running this year because he was going to be exciting to watch. Hey, maybe he'll get that. Maybe that could springboard his career into great, bigger and better things. Who knows? Yeah. Um, my outstanding performance is going to go to both Pato Award and Alex Pillow just for simply being really good this weekend. And leading the points and creating a very fun points battle that's not between a Ganassi or a Penske car. Or, excuse me, well, Scott Dixon. It's still between a Ganassi car, but I, I primarily think of, like, Scott Dixon as the main Ganassi car. So, it's not between Scott Dixon and a Penske driver. It's between a McLaren driver and a non-Ganassi. Yeah. Not, not Scott not, Dixon. Yeah, not Scott Dixon, yeah. Sorry, I, it's been so long since that 10 car has been, like, Super good. competitive, and no disrespect to Tony Kanaan when he piloted that. That was it was pretty good, but it wasn't at the level of Dario. You know, when Dario was in that ten, it was like, man, this guy might be better than Dixon. Ever since Dario's been out of that, it's like, oh, Dixon's just the man. Yeah, we need Dario to humble Dixon again. That's what that's what we need. We need Dario back to humble Dixon. <laughs> All right, um, now it's time for the uh, segment we teased in the intro and made you wait like an hour and a half to get to um the upshift downshift the special all-star race edition now we have a very special rule for this all questions should be answered independently from one another so when you're going at home and you're playing when you do hashtag robin roller ask robin roller and you're playing the upshift and downshift at home make sure every every question is independent of 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 itself all right so what you answered in one question you don't have to hold yourself to Continue, keep holding that opinion into the next question. You can have a completely different opinion on this. It's totally fine. So, Josh, let's go ahead and start off with the first question. The NASCAR All-Star Race should return to Charlotte Motor Speedway in 2022. Do you upshift or downshift? I upshift. I think it should. Um, I think uh, it, I think it should return to Charlotte, and I think it should be run the week before Memorial Day. I think it's a good little two-week stretch. You get kind of Charlotte Speed Weeks there, and it allows teams to kind of have like, hey, I don't have to travel for two weeks. I'm home. I, I think that I think that's good um, for for the crews, especially you know the guys who are who are on the road from the spotters, the crew chiefs, the over the wall guys, the behind the wall guys, uh, and gals. You know. It's a nice two weeks break, in a sense, from travel, and I think that that's warranted. I'm going to upshift for that, just simply that, and and I think think it belongs in Charlotte. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to upshift as well. I think it was more entertaining in Charlotte, plain and simple. 
I think they're Bristol and now Texas. It, I just don't think it's very good. Now, if it wants to return to Atlanta, Atlanta is very similar to Charlotte. I'd be okay with that too, maybe. But Charlotte's the home. Charlotte's your home. Like you said, I mean, the all-star race, every, every team, every, you know, you have the MLB all-star break. You have the NBA all-star break. You know, they take week-long breaks off from games. Yep. NASCAR should be able to be do the same thing. Be like, hey, you guys don't have to travel. You guys don't have to. You still have to show up on sound on Saturday night and and race a fun race for some money. But in terms of prep, I mean, you guys have two weeks to prep for the Coke Six Hundred. Just use this as a test testing ground for next week. Look, man, I'm I'm in your boat. I I, I think Jamie McMurray even uh, explained it on the on the Fox broadcast. He was even more in favor of. It staying in Charlotte and 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 returning there because even Jamie Mack he said he liked it more because he was like there were more times to interact with fans. There's more opportunities to inter- to hang around with family. There's more yep. time opportunities to be uh, closer, hands on at the shop. It's just better for everybody, I think. You know, you especially you know you usually have a lot of fan tours coming to those race shops. I mean, this past year you had one opportunity really this past week to do that now you have previously you had two weeks to come down and check out all the race shops and drivers would be more than happy to hang out with fans during that time because it was a less stressful couple of weeks so i'm upshifting with you on that i think that uh we need we need to stay in charlotte next question here with daytona no longer scheduled as the july 4th race the nascar all-star race weekend should become the July 4th staple event. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I do. I'm going to upshift. I think it'd be good to slot that in there. I mean, yeah, the uh, the MLB All-Star Games kind of around this time. It's usually middle of July-ish. It's either um, the week after the July 4th, I think. I yeah, think it's, it's usually it, the week after. It's in the teens, you know, typically around that that time frame, uh, a month of the time frame. And I think, you know, hey, you know, you go and know that, you know, the all-star race is July 4th weekend. Where it's at, I don't know. Um, I think that'd be one way to kind of reinvigorate it, give it a little bit more meaning. Um, look, it's going to be cool to go to Road America. It's You're going to Road America on July 4th. That's great. Indianapolis, when it was there last year. God, that was awful. Yeah, ha- having it, you know, having Indianapolis have two of the most important dates um, you know, patriotic dates on on the U.S. calendar. That was cool, but oh, tax day. the all the All Star race on July Fourth weekend, I think, would be really cool to see. And it, you know where it's always going to be, and it's not Daytona. If it's not Daytona, make it the All All Star race. So I upshift. I like the idea. You know, I I understand where you're coming from, but I'm downshifting because I still think July Fourth should be Daytona, and the fact that we're not going to Daytona on July Fourth is a freaking travesty. So no matter what, anything. I'm going to downshift on anything that says we're not going to Daytona in July on July 4th. It's I'm sorry. That's just how I'm going. I think we should be in Daytona on July 4th. There's no, no freaking reason why we're not. And if they're going to say, Oh, the weather's bad. Well, the weather's always bad in Florida. Get over it. Um, the, the Daytona 500 was freaking rained out and the Daytona 500 has been rained out for the past couple of years. I mean, just get over it. Deal with the freaking rain. You might get lucky. One of those nights, Everybody knows what's exciting on July 4th weekend. So, all right. Uh, next question here. Without getting into vehicle and package specifics, 
to reinvigorate the All-Star race, NASCAR should play it as an invitational for the previous year's playoff teams from the three national divisions. Do you upshift or downshift this? This was a tough one because... This is, what? This is weird. This is confusing me. Go ahead and give me your answer, but I'm... I mean, I think it'd be cool to see all three national divisions get a shot at the all-star, you know, race, even if you kind of had to do it like a class deal. I think it'd be cool to see, or if you invite a couple drivers from the Xfinity and truck to race a cup car, I just think if you mix them up, I think that's a bad idea. But if you invite them, the drivers to drive a cup car, I think that's cool. So I kind of got thrown in a neutral on this one. I'm just not sure how you do that. And especially when the Xfinity cars are right now faster than the cup cars. I don't think that'd look good. Um, I don't care what anyone says. I just think that'd be a little little sketchy. Be like saying your best shooter in professional basketball is playing for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. You know what I mean? It's just not. It's just not going to work out. You know why isn't he playing for the Pacers, right? So uh, that I got. I'm going to throw it on neutral on this because I think there's there's parts of this that look really cool on paper and would be look cool on track, but then there's other parts that don't. Uh, my personal opinion, straight up, is that no, I'm downshift. I I don't like that idea at all. Anyway, I mean, not no no disrespect to you. I, I, I give it to you right here. If you came up with that question, but. No, I mean, you, you want to take the all-star race and you want to make it between NASCAR's all-stars. Now, there was a time where that made sense. Like, people were pointing out, oh, there was a time where there were 50 cars showing up and an opportunity to just take the 20 best drivers and put them together was uh, a great opportunity. It still is. I'm not saying that taking the 20 best drivers is is, is not a bad idea. But you want to keep it from the Cup Series because if you want to have an Xfinity All-Star Race, then have an Xfinity All-Star Race. If you want to have a Truck All-Star Race, have a Truck All-Star Race. But the Cup Series, these are the people. These are in the top of their game. These are these people. These are the people who have worked their way up through the ladder to get to where they are. I mean, like you mentioned, the Mad Ants and the Pacers. Well, you know, where's the NBA G League All-Star Game? Do they have one? I know minor league baseball has an All-Star Game. But that's diff- that's a bit different. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of. I don't think the G League has a a, a, a All Star game. I th- I know the ECHL does. So hockey does. So I guess you know, it's not uncommon. But I I don't know. I'm of the opinion that the All Star race should be reserved for the Cup Series. Um, final question here before I turn it over to Josh uh, for his the history segment. Uh, an all-star race is no longer a necessary event in present-day NASCAR. Do you upshift or downshift the statement, Josh? Hey, upshift. I don't That's think fine. it's an, I don't think it's a necessary event. Um, I think you have thirty currently. You have thirty-six races on the schedule. Um, what I would much rather see. With so much talk about Nashville, and again, this is total speculation. No matter what happens with Nashville and North Wilkesboro, I kind of stand by this. I just, a million dollars, I'd rather see SMI or Speedway Motorsports kind of say, hey, you win these four races, you get a million bucks. You get a million bucks extra from us, you know. You won these four races at our four tracks, whatever those are four shall be. You get a million bucks. You kind of have their own mini Winston Noble among their own tracks instead of just the crown jewel races. On top of that, it's just got 
too gimmicky. It's too different. It's it. I don't like the comparison. You know, the NBA All Star Game. Look, NBA. I'm sorry, it's trash basketball. I don't like it at all. I don't believe it's real basketball. Um, in WNBA the supremacy and the in the. NBA All-Star game is just underscores that. It's it's nothing. No one plays defense in a real game to begin with. But the All-Star race, it's just I just don't think I rather I here's what I'd rather see. It's, it's amazing to me to you say the NBA All-Star game is bad. I mean, it's not it, to me it's it's fun to watch guys shoot threes from mid-court, but it's not as bad as the Pro Bowl, man. Anyway, you can continue. Well, the, the the Pro Bowl is a that's just Again, that's just a worth. That is a, that is the all time worthless All Star game. Is worthless, the NFL man. is the NFL Pro Bowl. Um, but I much rather see the decision come out and say, "Hey, we're we're taking the All Star race away and we're giving it to the North Wilkesboro Dirt Race." That is that is. I'm going to stand by that. Uh, I just don't think an All. I don't think. And Rob, to be fair, I don't think the Clash or the All Star race have a point anymore. I don't think they're. I don't think they're necessary in NASCAR 2021. And I'm sorry, that's just kind of how I feel. And when I look at the product that they're putting on in both those races, I am um, if the product were to change, I'd change my opinion. You know, it's hard for me to disagree with you on that. And I am actually going to upshift as well, but for a different reason, I'm not saying, look, here, here's the thing. Everything can be saved. Everything can be saved. Fair. Right now. No, there's no way you don't need to be putting on this thing. Everybody takes it as a joke, especially like I said, you have six, you have five pointless heats and a ten lap feature. It's stupid. That's stupid. It's entirely gimmicky. pointless. It's gimmicky. It, you make the five first five stages, four, I guess. The fifth stage kind of mattered. Yeah. The fifth stage should have just been. I mean, the fifth stage was the heat race, basically. It was, you know, okay, come in, you go, you go race, you do your pit stop, and then wherever you finish, that's where you start the feature. That was the heat race. The first. Four things were just whatever, just fun races that we get to put on for no reason. Waste of fuel, waste of resources, waste of time and money. No reason for any of it. Um, and then, but, and then you get to the feature. No, it can be saved. But as of right now, no, there's no reason to have an all-star race. There's no reason to have an all-star game in any stick and ball sport, period. I agree matter. with that. I will agree with that too. None of them matter anymore because no players no drivers, no, nobody takes them seriously. There was a time where people did legitimately take these things seriously. Man, maybe the MLB All-Star Game, that's probably the only one I think people still take seriously. Yeah. Because oh, at least yeah. that's kind of fun to see the best pitchers and the best hitters in the league go toe-to-toe. Go -to -toe. That's that's actually fun. That's something I, you I, I will give you that. I will definitely give you that. That, most places. that baseball is the only one that is truly – worth watching right nba like you said no defense guys just hucking threes from half court who cares yeah to some people that's interesting to other people's it's not i guess nhl has an all-star game i don't think they have one the past this past year but they typically do yeah i don't know how people feel about that i can't imagine it's thought of any better than because like i said you know and, and hockey it's you could see these two guys play each other in a regular game you know, it's not like you're going to see, you know, so, you know, I'll, I'll say as a Mariners fan, I'll, I'll take the, my favorite Mariners right now. It's not like you're going to see Randy Johnson pitch to Edgar Martinez, right? You're not, you're not, that, those guys are on the same team, first of all, but, yeah. you know, 
on a normal day, you wouldn't see it. You wouldn't see Randy Johnson pitch to, uh, let's let's go through the 90s baseball greats. So let's just say he's pitching to Edgar Martinez, Edgar Martinez as a Mariner, Ken Griffey Jr. as a Mariner. Uh, sorry, Mariners fan. <laughs> you know, you're not going to see that. You're not you're not going to see that except in the All Star Game. NASCAR needs to introduce something that you're not going to see in any other race, and it can't be gimmicks. It can't be gimmicks. Gimmicks are not going to sell it. You have to introduce something that you're not going to see in any other race. And previously, I think the All-Star Race did a good job at that with the open, like really up until probably the turn of the 2010s, I think the All-Star Race was a banger. It was it was yeah. one yeah. of the best races to watch. I think it can get back to that, but you have to make it worthwhile again. First of all, the first thing they have to do, a million dollars is nothing. It's, it's no. nothing to these drivers. Inflation you know, a million dollars in 1985 was something. That was. A I don't think they got a million dollars in 1985. Right. I mean that. I mean, well, I think. I think. Don't hold me to this. I think the Daryl Walter took home a quarter of a million dollars. That doubled his salary that year. Yes. If he took home the whole. If he took home the whole thing. All right. When they introduced a million dollars in the, I think it was the early 90s. All right. Mm-hmm. That maybe added 50 percent more salary to it. But you know. Let's say Jeff Gordon when but he even when then he, in the '90s a million dollars is was worth more then exactly it was worth than more. it is now exactly when Gordon was racing he was probably making at the end he was probably making you know thirteen fourteen fifteen million dollars a year mm-hmm. he won the All Star race great I got sixteen million this is it's not worth much it's worth more to drivers today because I'd be surprised if William Byron's making three million all right right as a driver so it means more to him but still yeah you got to make it. It, it, you have they were, to double the purse. You have to raise yeah. the purse because yeah. you have to incentivize drivers to race hard for it. Yeah. And you have to incentivize teams to show up and encourage their drivers to race hard for it and basically say, hey, if you Don't. win this, we'll give you a cut. Of, you get a cut of it. You get all this extra money, and we get a bunch of extra money to go do R&D stuff to make our cars faster to make you win more. Yeah. I, yeah. I just at, Right so this, now, yeah. I think going to the All-Star race is, if anything— for teams, it's it, it seems more like it's it's taking two steps back for them. You know, yeah, you go to the All-Star Race, yeah, you have some fun, but at the end of the day, you just wasted money and time and resources on something, uh, and the payout isn't even going to make up for that. Even if you finish last in the All-Star Race, it's still not going to be enough to justify really even going to it. I think if they didn't require chartered teams to go, you would see a hell of a lot less cars show up to the All-Star Race and even the You're Open. Right. You're absolutely right. Josh, we are way over time today, so let's go through your featured racetrack here and uh, give all of these nice people a great opportunity to learn some great uh, little information and history here, and then we'll wrap things up with the What's in the Windshield and let everybody go home. Yeah, I'm going to try to get through this. I'm glad I didn't put a whole lot into this as I did before, so you'll find out in a second. So for a period of about nine years in the United States, there were seven oval racetracks that were two miles or longer in length. Indianapolis Motor Speedway was the first to open in 1909. Fifty years later, Daytona International Speedway joined Indianapolis as only the second oval uh, track longer than two miles. From 1968 to 1971, Talladega, Michigan, Texas World, Ontario, and Pocono were added to that list. Ontario was demolished in the early 1980s, taking the number back down to six. And then in 1997, California Speedway, now Auto Club Speedway, was built and to that point in 2018 there were again seven racetracks two miles or longer 
And that changed because in 2018, demolition of Texas World Speedway began. And today I will do a Texas World Speedway revisit, which I originally covered just about two years ago, actually, on the money back in June 2019 in our first season. Uh, it was built by Larry Lopatin, a founder of the American Raceways Incorporated. Uh, he wanted to actually build an Indianapolis of the South, and this track operated from 1969 to 2017. It's located in College Station, Texas. If you're a college football fan, I can't tell you what college is there, but I know there's a college there. I think it's Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M, yeah. Texas a lot of Texas A&M fans and all three Johnny Menzel fans are going to be pretty mad at you for not knowing that. Well, I don't. I'm, again, sorry. College football. Just, there's too many teams. I I can't get behind <laughs> it. I'm sorry. All I care about is that Purdue tries to beat Ohio State and Indiana each year, and I'm good. That that that's about the extent of my college football. Give a darn. I'm sorry. There's a lot of colleges in the war in this country. Period. Yeah. So if you're complaining about just Division One football, I got news for you. D two, D three, NAIA. It's worse. There's even more. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. You don't need to tell me that. Too, too, too many. Too many. All right. So it hosted eight NASCAR Cup Series events from 1969 to 1981. Five were 500 miles, and the final three were 400. Bobby Isaac won the first race in 1969. That was the Texas 500. Two laps ahead of second place, Donnie Allison. It was his first Super Speedway victory. Richard Petty was the only repeat winner. He had three victories. Buddy Baker, Darrell Waltrip, Kelly Yarbrough. And Benny Parsons were the other four winners. The 1971 race was contested on December 12th, and that was Petty's 21st victory that season through 46 starts of the 48 race season. It was his uh, second and last 20 plus victory season. On November 12th, 1972, Buddy Baker edged out AJ Foyt by half a car length to win that race. You just gotta love that after. 500 miles, it comes down to half a car length. That's that's just great racing. Uh, in its final cup race, that was on June 7th, 1981, only about 18,000 attended the race, nearly half of the crowd from eight years earlier, but it was actually up 7,000 from two years prior. Benny Parsons won in a Bud, Budmore Ford with Dale Earnhardt and a Rod Osterland-owned Pontiac. There you go. We gotta love Pontiac. Anytime you can give Pontiac a shout-out, I'm doing it. Uh, USAC, always, always. USAC raced at Texas World 10 times between 1973 and 1979, uh, twice each year in 73 and then again through 76 and 79. Al Unser won the inaugural race, uh, which was the season opening race of the 73 season. Foyt won four times at Texas World, and Johnny Rutherford won twice. Gary Bettenhausen, uh, Tom Sneva. And Danny Ongayas won the other races there. Uh, excuse me. All but all but first rate the first race in 1976, the Texas 150 were 200 mile races. The Texas 150, the lone caution per racing reference, was seven laps long, and it was caused by a rabbit. Yes, it's listed as rabbit. I can only imagine that. There was just this rabbit playing uh, chicken with the cars out there. I wish I could find video on, on what, what actually caused this rabbit caution, but I just couldn't find it. I'm sorry. Um, it was a slow decline. No major races were at Texas World after 1981, with ARCA being the biggest series to visit there post-NASCAR 
and they had four races uh, between the seasons 1991 and 1993. Uh, the track's many road course layouts were popular through the years, though, but the Oval remained the popular for testing. On February 3rd, 1993, uh, Jeff Andretti set an unofficial closed course speed record uh, of IndyCar for 234.5 miles per hour. And then in 2009, Greg Biffle topped 218 miles per hour in a Jack Roush Ford. He was hauling the mail. Don't you wish we could see that at Michigan still today? I think we can do it. I really do think we can. We just got to get the right package, folks. Right right package, right tire. We can do it. We can do it. I know we can. Um, So in early uh, March 2015, track CEO... Bill Mather announced that Texas World Speedway would close to make way for a new housing development. The facility would see its last cars, so to speak, when it played host to damaged vehicles following Hurricane Harvey. Construction and destruction of Texas World Speedway began on July 19, 2018, on the housing development known as the Southern Point. Today, most of the track remains, but a hole has been cut out of Turn 4 in the banking and paving and turns one and two have been heavily removed, rendering the oval track completely unraceable, unusable. Not just unraceable, but unusable. And then parts of the outer uh, road course, the roval course, if you will, uh, has been demolished with neighborhood roads and housing already been built in its place. Uh, you can see the remnants, if you will, of the complex on Google Maps, uh, on the satellite view, and again, it's just kind of one of those sad deals um, that Texas World is gone. You know, you know, we didn't have too many two plus mile tracks in this in this country, and they all eight were great. You know, we we now we've lost uh, Ontario, we've now lost Texas World, and we're going to be losing Auto Club. Although it's just heavily modified, and it's going to be a half mile oval. Nonetheless, at least the track the track is not closing, but we are losing a two mile oval. Um, so fe- the featured track history compiled here from Racing uh, Circus.info, Racing Reference, The History of America's Speedways Past and Present by Alan E. Brown, and NASCAR, The Complete History by Greg Fielden. So uh, that was just a kind of a revisit with the All-Star Race here in Texas. Um, thought I'd you know, do that one again. It's been a while since we talked about Texas World, and I'm glad I didn't add too much because that didn't take too awfully long to do. Because we're over time, Rob, and um, but we had a lot. Once again, we had a lot to talk about, but we're not on that Indy 500 level. So I'm just going to mute my mic here, so to speak, and let you tell everyone what's in the windshield. Yeah, the what's in the windshield. Get ready because we got a packed weekend of racing coming your way. The summer European stretch for Formula One begins this weekend at Circuit Paul Ricard, and we'll go through Monza on September 12th. The French Grand Prix is unfortunately on this this Sunday. I say that unfortunately because if you know what Paul Ricard is, you know what we're going to get. Followed by back-to-back races at the Red Bull Ring in Austria for the Styrian and then Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, the NTT IndyCar Series will be in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin this ro- this weekend at Road America. The Rev Group Grand Prix is on Sunday, June 20th. Repco Supercars finally returned to action in Darwin, Northern Territory, as at the Hidden Valley Raceway for the Darlin- Darwin Triple Crown. It'll be a super sprint. Glad to see um, the supercars back. It's been a long time. They had uh, a, a, the race in Victoria canceled, so it's good to see that we finally get to see some supercars races happening. Again, $5 a month for... Superview on YouTube. It's worth it. I promise. I promise you will not regret that purchase. Um, 
seriously, five bucks a month. I, I cannot stress that enough. It's worth it. Supercars puts on great races every single race. So next plan is Stock Car Brazil holds their next race at Velen, Velocita. I think that's right. Velo, Velo, Velocita. Yeah, that's right. I think that's right. Um, that uh, Those races will be Saturday and Sunday uh, at noon Eastern on motor, motorsport.tv. Remember, if you have motorsport.tv, this is all free. You just have to register for an account. It's free. You don't have to pay anything. Don't pay anything. I promise you. Um, totally free. Watch Stock Car Brazil. Uh, and keep it there. Keep it there on motorsport.tv. Keep that app pulled up because Super Formula returns as well with their race, their next race at Sugo. That will be at 1 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday morning, also on Motorsport TV. So Saturday night, Sunday morning in Japan. So, you know. Um, Formula Regional European Championship by Alpine will be at Zandvoort in the Netherlands. So if you want to see what the Dutch circuit will be when be like when F1 makes its return later this year, you can catch both races on Saturday and Sunday morning, either on YouTube or also on motorsport.tv. SRX will have their next race Saturday night at Knoxville Raceway, the first dirt track for the series. Uh, that will be at 8 p.m. Eastern time on your local CBS station. Finally, the long-awaited return to Nashville Super Speedway has arrived. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, Xfinity, and Cup divisions will, will race on June 18th, 19th, and 20, 20th, respectively. It will be the 14th truck race, 22nd Xfinity race, but it will be the inaugural Cup Series race on the 1.333 repeating concrete mile uh, track. I said repeating just to be funny. It's not actually repeating. It would be funny if it did, but technically it is an oval. So technically you could say it is repeating if you really wanted to, but don't. Um, in conclusion, thank you so much for listening to this show. We've had a lot of fun today. We went over. We know it's 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 the All-Star Race. We had a lot to talk about. We're sorry. But, hey, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something. And, and like I said, go ahead and, and let us know your thoughts on Twitter. Tweet us, hashtag Robin Roller. Anytime we're here, we'll get it. Uh, anytime you want to get in touch with us, we're here. So thank you guys so much for listening to us. Please let us know what you think about us anytime. Uh, for Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great weekend of racing, everybody. Stay safe out there, and uh, make sure you just have a great summer. Stay cool. It's going to be hot, I guarantee you. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.